And welcome into Hoopsville. If you happen to know, we're on the air. We are on the air. Welcome in. I hope you're enjoying the fact that we have now selected the teams to the NCAA Championship Tournament. I am your suited-up host, Dave McHugh. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email me, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Momentary, a special Hoopsville, as I type... Edition is on the air answering your questions about the D3 men's and women's tournaments. Watch. Sorry, got to do things multitasking here because that's how we roll on a busy Monday. And especially when you spent... As much time in this studio as I have in the last few days. But we are on the air nonetheless. If you got questions, again, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can uh, join us um, in many other capacities as well. Of course, email, Facebook, Twitter. We mention them. You join us. We'll answer your questions. The men's and women's brackets are out. They are official. I have them here with all my scribbles. More scribbles on some than others. We've already talked to the committee chairs and a rare opportunity to have a conference call with them earlier today. Um, we will talk to uh, them live here on the show. Uh, if schedule allows, we'll talk here for about 30 minutes before Dave Martin will join us on the women's side. And then um, we will have Jeff uh, Burns join us a little bit later. Pat will, Coleman will be joining me momentarily and so on and so forth. Again, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Or, of course, join us on, um, you can join us on Twitter at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. I believe my counterpart, crime, and whatever you want to call him, is, is available. So we'll bring in the esteemed Pat Coleman. Mr. Coleman, how are you, sir? I see you suited up as well. Well, it just seemed like an appropriate. Well, we don't uh, have much audio from you. Can you boost your audio, sir? I could probably do that. How's no, it's a little better? low. We'll, we'll work on it. Maybe it's just right. me. Hold on. Okay. No, it's just me. Go ahead. You're fine. All right. So, um, basically, what we uh, oh wow, I probably overcompensated there. I wanted to uh, I wanted to match the tone here. This is a this is a big day. Selection Sunday is uh, or Monday is a big day, and you know I have to say, kind of maybe a little bit in, uh, inspired by our friend Justin Sweeney, who uh, covered the uh, D3Hoops.com Classic with us. Um, you know, he suited up for uh, these games in Las Vegas uh, that we broadcast, and his team, they were just treated like they're the number one seed in the entire country, Dave. They had a, a, a team from a, a automatic qualifier uh, from uh, one of the lower conferences in Division Three, flying all the way across the country to meet them. So I just, you know, I felt inspired by what, uh, I, I, what I saw in the bracket. I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with you, mainly because I was wearing one anyway. Yeah, um, I but I, I kept it on. I think that's important. I, I kept the the tie and jacket in their place. Please, oh, I would keep, have keep keep your clothes on. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I got my bracket here, and then I have an, another one somewhere buried under a laptop. But uh, yeah, we have a, a couple of interesting brackets. I certainly like the men's bracket better, but the women's bracket is pretty good too. So there's not a whole lot to complain about, and especially no. since we got all 18 of the uh, or 19 of the at-large uh, bids right on the men's side, then. Um, there's literally almost nothing we could complain about, right? Yeah, and I guess the, if we're going to get all 19, we can't complain about who's in and who's not in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, I, On retrospect, I well, no this show's think, over. <laughs> I no longer think WPI should 
<laughs> you contrarian. Oh, we got a little bit of breakup on the signal. We'll see if it bounces back here. Mr. Coleman. Oh, little freeze job. Oh, we lost him. We'll see if that'll come back. Um, see, that's what happens. He, Oh, I hear you. We don't see you, Mr. Coleman. We'll wait to see if that pops back in. Um, what's uh, I guess that's what happens when you uh, decide you're going to go contrarian and disagree with the committee. Apparently, they have groups that will will take you off the air. So good to know before we talk to the committee chairs later, huh? Uh, still can see Pat or hear, but not see. Um, he'll be joining us here momentarily. Again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash hoopsville. Lots of ways you can interact with us. We'll try and answer your questions on the same time. Um, we will be able to um, uh, talk to the committee chairs and get your questions answered there as well. We certainly uh, open up any opportunities we can have here. Um, yes, even Rusty Egan noticed that... Uh, uh, you're cut off once you mention that WPI should not be in. Um, Pat kind of it, it ended Pat's appearance on the show. Apparently, but he's working on that. Hopefully, we'll get him back here momentarily. Uh, quick initial reactions when I got the brackets. Um, <laughs> Rusty engineers at work uh, against Pat. Uh, my initial reactions after I got the brackets. I I kind of liked what I saw. On the uh, on the men's side, and I liked what I saw on the women's side. I really had no qualms. As Pat Coleman now joins us. By the way, Pat, we believe our theory is that WPI's engineers heard your little slight and went uh, enough. Uh, I suppose that's possible. Um, you know, they would be like the MIT uh, folks who uh, stuffed the ballot box on one of our polls a couple years ago, or of course some of the famous things that Caltech has done in Southern California around uh, athletic events. So it's yeah. always possible. Yeah, I think it was possible. I think we got we got that one in. But hey, um, I was just saying when I initially saw the brackets um, at varying times today, um, I, initially my reaction has been they both positive. Yes, we can always tweak them. We could always find ways that we could improve them. Um, and I think even the the committees would admit they'd like to improve things too at times. Um, but overall, I certainly. Didn't have anything that jumped out at me and went, oh, that's just horrible, or gosh, I wish they would change that. I thought I thought for both brackets overall, pretty decent and, and well spread out when they could. Well, and Dave, let me tell you, too, something. When we talked last night about uh, um, how to present the brackets on the air, right, the uh, the women's bracket is like the perfect combination of both of, of the of all the drama stuff we were talking about, right? The very first pairing out of the gate is just a mind-blowing thing that you just ne you would never see in division three never think that you would send somebody from pennsylvania all the way uh out to oregon for a first round game but because there were only uh two teams in the northwest who made the tournament and one team was flying in from southern california you could as we have said for many years right dave you could fly that other team from anywhere yeah you so really could it was nice that they chose uh, somebody from completely out of nowhere to to do that with and then to hold the last um the last uh, at-large team until the very last name that's called. That's uh, that's good. I mean, the yeah. producer and you should have been really happy with that. I did see that and decided they didn't need any notes from me. I saw Bethel hiding in the corner and went, "Well, oh, no, that'll that'll breed well." Of course, especially the Northwest Conference people going, "Where's Whitworth? 
where's Whitworth? I'm like, yeah. well, A, you're not going to yep. find him. But B, you're going to have to wait till the very last team to find out. And, of course, the other team that we thought was going to be in that wasn't was Chicago. And I'll, I'll answer this now, and Dave Martin will probably say it later. Um, this, it came down to a battle between strengths of schedule versus how many wins do you have. And let's be honest, Whitworth only played 20 games in Division Three. Uh, and won 15 of those, and you're playing with a bit of a, um, uh, a little bit of, you're more on a high wire there when you try and pull that off, because simply put, you're asking yourself to lose less if you're going to play less, and I think that's what Whitworth got into, and I think another example with Chicago, as much as they had a good season, they also had a couple losses in there that weren't good. Interesting note that I think we should keep in mind, too, is when we look at McDaniel's strength of schedule, not great. They were 24-3, and and basically it came down to 24 wins is 24 wins. But if you think about it now, Muhlenberg actually winning the automatic qualifier there actually gives them a good win against regionally ranked opponents, and it doesn't give them too bad a losses because at least, McDan- at least Muhlenberg's in the equation versus some other teams. Uh, Muhlenberg was in the equation already, though. Uh, Muhlenberg was regionally mm-hmm. ranked before. They were in the conversation we had last night. I didn't see that. I, I didn't see any kind of sea change that would uh, change what we thought about McDaniel last night. But yeah, I mean, eventually some committee is gonna. We talked about this with the men's bracket too. Some committee is gonna make a. Someone is gonna have to make a call about whether it's yeah. strength of schedule or where it's winning percentage. And if you don't have both and you only have one then, you know, the committee's going to have to choose one or the other. And, you know, that's just what it is. Uh, there's nothing much more that can be said about that. They chose uh, the 24-3 and three team, and it's hard not to choose a 24-3 and three team that plays at least in a representative conference. And the Centennial is certainly a representative conference. Yeah. So uh, McDaniel, I think, was one of the early surprises on the women's side, about uh, a third of the way in. Everyone got that little nu- uh, nugget of information. Uh, they'll take on Stockton. Of course, the other one that was that nugget was the Bethel one. Of course, that was at the very end. So nice little tease along the way, uh, as it were. Uh, listen, we'll stick with the women's just so I can get a couple more notes out. Obviously, George Fox was going to host Puget Sound flying out of there. just isn't going to happen, not when they have to already um, fly in somebody to that pod, and along with Claremont Mud Scripts. If you fly Puget Sound out, now you're talking three flights. It's not going to – the, the Those who balance the numbers at the NCAA are not going to allow that as much as you'd like to have it. Honestly, we'll hear this from Dave Martin most likely, but Rhodes winning did a combination of things. Rhodes winning allowed the Texas bracket to take form, but it also restricted some creativity possibly because you fill out the grouping automatically there, whereas maybe you're forced into an extra flight and can get into some more creativity on the on the bracket. So Rhodes winning was both a blessing and a curse, maybe, to the uh, national committee. And of course, that's all takes place in that upper left hand corner. And Dave, um, yeah, we felt the same thing when uh, uh, Ryan Scott and I were putting together this men's bracket that we projected last night. Uh, and you have uh, <laughs> two brackets or two pods of four that are completely locked in. You know, those pods of four, the one for the men that's at East Texas Baptist and the one that's in Emory, those eight teams were only going to play in those two pods. We couldn't put them anywhere else, which meant that we had basically no hosting opportunities for anybody in the West. Um, teams uh, such as, you know, LaGrange, who could have driven out to somewhere else in the central region or the Great Lakes, uh, Spalding, who could have driven out to someone in a lot of regions, uh, they were forced to be in those pods. And similarly, yeah, you take a bunch of teams off 
off the board where you have no place else that you can put them. And it does, yeah, make the the uh, job a little bit harder for the committee or anybody else who's trying to put together a, uh, a projected bracket as well. Someone took exception in my saying I didn't have any major qualms with this tournament, pointing out that Regis is heading back to Montclair where they played two years already. I get it. So we got one game we don't like. Um, well, and but- I, you know, so Dave, the men talked about that. Uh, you mentioned that. Uh, to me off the air last night that they try to avoid t- sending the same team to the same team over and over and over. Regis hasn't merited to uh, the ability to play anybody else. It would be nice for them to play somebody else. I, I think maybe we had, I don't know where we had put them. I know I had put Ty- uh, Pine Manor at Tufts because that seemed uh, excessively appropriate. But, um, you know, Regis is going to have to go somewhere. They're going to go to a top seed because they, uh, you know, because they might dominate the NECC, but that's not going to get them very far. So, I mean, would they had rather have been at FDU Florham this year? That's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other, yeah. I suppose. Who, who do you want to get, uh, you know, who do you want to get run out of the gym by? But I think that, uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm being brutally honest, obviously, but I think that's kind of just the the way it goes. If, if you win a week conference, you're going to get sent to a top seed. Montclair continues to be a top seed. Regis continues to be a bottom seed. It would be nice if they thought those things over and didn't and weren't so repetitive. But I don't think it's uh, I don't you know another matchup for Regis wouldn't have been better. They could have played Tufts. They could have played FDU Forum, but the result wasn't going to change. And they have to move some teams around. I mean, again, one out of thirty-two games. I'm not going to bit bent out of shape about. Could Regis have gone somewhere else? Of course. Sure. Lots of these teams um, could have gone somewhere else. But a lot Absolutely. of teams, yeah. And I mean, at some point, you got to stop doing it. I did hear that the men, the women's committee finished about one thirty in the morning. Compare that to the men's committee, who finished about nine thirty in the evening. Men's committee did get an earlier start, though. Also due in part to the fact that men's games on Sunday ended sooner than women's games on Sunday. That's true. Yep. Um, and so that certainly would play a role there. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay, so Regis doesn't go to Montclair, then they're going to either Bowden. They're going to uh, maybe Salisbury, or they're going to NYU, I, I, or, or you go to the other side. You're right, FDU floor. But then you're starting to say, okay, if they're not going to go, who else goes? And you start flipping around things. And so, listen, yeah, I, okay, I mean, does Regis not need to go to Montclair State? Fine, maybe not. But you know what? All in all, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I think if we start getting down to the point where we're rearranging 15 seeds and 16 seeds, um, which is basically what those teams would be that we're talking about, I don't. Um, it's not a it's not a, a big enough deal to go to the mat for. We certainly talk to Dave about it when he gets on the show, and we can uh, try to urge them to have a little bit more creativity and not just uh, paste Regis into the line below Montclair State every year. But you know, it's not that's not the that's that's not a huge deal compared to some other things that have been around in previous years. And I think this bracket is uh, I think this bracket's pretty good. Um, Maybe got, the show is over, Dave. I don't know. All right, we're done. Thank you, everybody. Good night. <laughs> um, yeah, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. For women, does McDaniel and Bethel being in the field, meaning winning percentage, more emphasized than SOS? No, not necessarily. It just meant when it came down to it that the winning percentages for those two teams were certainly being recognized despite their SOSs. Let's be honest. Let's take Bethel versus Whitworth, just because it's off the top of my head, Bethel's twenty-one and six, and Whitworth and twenty-one and five versus D three, and fifteen and five. Twenty-five, thank D3. you, and tw- and fifteen and five for Whitworth. Well, that's six yeah. more wins. When you only play twenty games, that's risky. Right. And so at, at some point, yeah, the push came to the shove there and went great. Your SOS is high because you also didn't play as many games. You didn't have as many hits to that SOS, and they played more games and won more games. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess that's this. what it's coming down to. 
Yeah, we talked about this on the show last night, right, Dave? Uh, yeah. Whitworth uh, versus, I remember calling out Eastern Oregon, College of Idaho, Walla Walla. I mean, they played Rutgers Newark, if I remember correctly. And of course, the site is uh, slow, but loading for me, not crashed. Um, big day, big day on D3Hoops.com. Um, you know, just I would I would invite you to the D3Hoops.com Classic. Come on down to Las Vegas. We'll get you two Division Three teams for sure. Um, uh, if you're looking for D3 teams, especially if you're west of, you know, the Ohio-Indiana line, uh, Las Vegas is not that difficult to get to. We'd be glad to have anybody. We've had teams from the Northwest Conference before. They've had a lot of fun. Come on down. We'll get you some games. Um, sorry, just finishing a tweet. But for Whitworth, basically, you know, they lost the opportunity to play some other teams. That's basically the, uh, that's basically the crux of this. Uh, they played Southwestern. Southwestern did make the field, but they're 15 and 12. Um, and that is it. They played uh, Rutgers, Newark, Texas Lutheran, and Southwestern. The only three uh, uh, non-conference games that they played against Division Three opponents, which means that there were uh, two-thirds of the uh, of their non-conference schedule was outside of Division Three. And if you want to make the Division Three tournament, it's it's certainly helpful to play a Division Three schedule. It was very helpful to play a Division Three schedule, and I think that's the game. I mean, Chicago was sixteen and seven. Certainly, um, didn't play as many games, um, but again, sixteen losses versus twenty-four or twenty-one, it becomes a factor. And so, at some point, push comes to shove. Some committee member, as we've said, has has to make a decision to go. Listen, as great as the SOS is, we can't ignore the win-loss. And at the same time, they're having the conversation. As great as the win-loss is. You can't ignore the SOS. I highly suspect Bethel and, and McDaniel were some of the last ones in. We may or may not find that out later when we talk to Dave Martin. Um, and, and it's going to come down to tough decisions. And at some point, they're trying to pick uh, the best represented 64 teams that they can, uh, the best 20 at-large teams that they can. Um, can we hem and haw over a couple? We can always hem and haw over a couple. Just because we were 19 for 19, on the men's side, didn't mean we weren't hemming and hawing over the last couple in there as well. I mean, it it took uh, was it Bob Quillman to finally break our tie over Catholic. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> this is what happens. Um, does Bethel and St. Olaf get in if they get the regional rankings right? Well, for starters, we don't know what the regional rankings were. Um, St. Although Olaf, we do, I mean, we clearly know that Bethel was behind St. Olaf. Yes, Saint we know Olaf Bethel was behind St. Olaf, and and um, that's going to come down to the fact that Bethel's three wins over St. Olaf can't trump some of the other problems just because Bethel has those three wins. Let's not forget who they, what their losses are. They also lost to like, they lost to Carlton, right? They lost to Hamlin. I mean, those are games that uh, it's hard to, um, it's hard to overlook those. Right. So, I mean, if I looked at, if we went back and we put Bethel on the, uh, on the, uh, on the board, they had a 19 and eight division three mark, a 564 strength of schedule. If I remember correctly, they would have lost to St. Thomas. They lost to St. Thomas three times and beat, St. Olaf three times, that would be three and three against regionally ranked opponents. I think they would be in the conversation, Dave. 18 and eight is really low, or I'm sorry, uh, 19 and eight is really low. Um, they would be, they would present actually very similarly to Hope. So Bethel, 19 and eight, 564, three and three. Hope, 17 and eight, 558, two and six. Uh, I, I think they present very similarly, and Hope didn't get in the field. And, um, you know, when you and I were going through this last night, Dave, uh, Hope was not really a serious contender either. No, no, we had we had kind of a eliminated Hope in some capacity, and so you know, it, yeah. The problem is, it's not all about the wins; it's also about the losses. And and the co- committee's going to be conscious that a team doesn't get in because of its losses, in the sense of a false SOS or 
uh, a lot of regionally ranked games. But they're also going to be conscious of the fact that the team doesn't get in just because of one criteria, which happens to point at three head-to-head wins. There's other criteria that screams that Bethel shouldn't. Um, so I'm just looking at the looking. At I know the they beat the Tommies. I get that, but they should have beaten the Tommies when they had the AQ at hand. Well, yeah. Hold on a second here. So um, they did beat the Tommies one out of three. They lost to Buena Vista by twenty. So I think Buena Vista really preserved to be on the table ahead of them. Um, their other out of conference games: uh, Martin Luther, River Falls. River Falls was in the top four, I believe, in the WIAC this year, or at least they were in the top six because they were definitely in the WIAC tournament. Um, uh, Northwestern, I mentioned Martin Luther, River Falls, and Buena Vista, and they lost to Buena Vista. If they'd beaten Buena Vista, we'd probably be talking about them being in the field. They would be close enough then. They certainly would have been ahead of Buena Vista in the regional rankings based on the head-to-head. Then they would be a 20-win team. They'd be 20-7. and seven. Strength of schedule would still be the same. They'd be 4-2 and two against regionally ranked opponents. Uh, they would have been on the table for a while at least uh, before uh, before they might have been selected or not selected. But, I, yeah, I mean... You, you lose to Buena Vista head to head, and Buena Vista's on the table too. You got to accept that you're going to be behind Buena Vista, and Buena Vista didn't have the numbers to get in. Yeah, I mean, it 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 becomes circular in some nature, but that's it sure does. You know, yeah. that, it, it again, it can't come down to just one criteria. If they had a couple others, and if they had beaten St. Thomas to get the AQ, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all. Yep. Um, like course, Southern Vermont, right? Bethel had its uh, had its destiny in its hands. Yep. Um, you know, like North Central like Franklin and Marshall, uh, all of these teams are sitting on the outside. There's no pool B. I mean, everybody had a chance at an automatic bid. So, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the 19 teams who get second chances. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll try and answer your questions as we move along um, and dive into some things here. Um, men's and women's brackets. We'll be talking in a few minutes to the women's chair, Dave Martin. I should point out, Pat, we're hoping to do that via Skype, so this could be interesting. Oh, um, will we we'll be able to Skype conference? I don't know. I, I well, honest- if not, I'm willing to go out to the. I'm willing to take the telephone instead, and I wouldn't mind uh, having a minute to get something to eat. I actually, this is a selection Monday for me. I have not eaten. That Can you get me like. something, please? We could probably have something delivered. Yeah, thank you. Um, Mary Merg says, "I under Mary Merg, hi Mary. Yeah, I understand the decision. Just curious uh, when the last time. I'm sorry, I may and have missed." So what something. she's that's okay. And so what she's asking about, I've already answered. Uh, this is a conversation oh, yes. that's ongoing on Twitter. It's why Wisconsin Superior didn't yeah. get in. And Superior, uh, nineteen and seven was their uh, was was what was on the board for them. They also lost to Minnesota Duluth, if I remember correctly. And I'm, I'm working from memory, but we talked about this on the show last night. Strength of schedule is actually not very good. Uh, remember, this is Superior's last act in the WIAC for basketball altogether. And uh, women's basketball played in the conference title game, uh, the conference final on a Sunday afternoon, lost to Wisconsin Oshkosh. Uh, Superior was at the bottom of the regional rankings coming in, and I think deservedly so. Uh, seven losses, and their out-of-conference schedule just wasn't that good. They already started playing some of their future Upper Midwest Athletic Conference foes, and that really dragged down their strength of schedule a little bit. Um, and it just, you know, the fact that they're the WIAC regular season champs, it just means that they're the WIAC regular season champs and they get the top seed in the conference tournament. The automatic bid is all tied on the uh, on the conference tournament. And remember, Dave, too, um, you know, some of the I, I think maybe the conference was down a little bit this year, too. We certainly know that individually Whitewater was down. Stevens mm-hmm. Point was down. Uh, and those are two teams that, uh, you know, we tend to focus on. 
um, because they've been successful before. It's maybe not necessarily indicative of the conference as a whole, but I think there's some um, there's some evidence to suggest that maybe the WIAC just wasn't quite as good this year in women's basketball. Yeah, as it was. And, and we and obviously you said we saw Plattsburgh, we saw Stevens Point, and and I talked I to Superior's head coach, uh, Coach Mulhern, about that. Um, about the fact that, hey, I've seen these teams in person. This is seeming a little, little weird, um, for lack of a better description. And, and, and who knows what the real reason was. But, you know, I realized prepping for the UMAC next year, which they will probably be very successful in, um, didn't help. You chose us. interesting words there, Dave. I Thank think you. Say I something had another else. one in my mind. I hesitated. Um, you know, I think I just, they will dominate that league, though. Yeah, and it just it didn't help. I mean, the, the strength of schedule was pretty low, and, and, put them behind some teams in the, in the region. Um, it's unfortunate that way. Uh, unfortunately, they. I think the last regional rankings going in, we always say, are the tea leaves. you got to understand what you're looking at there. They were sitting ninth of nine in the regional rankings. That should be a red alert that you have got to go out and win the conference. You cannot be in the middle to bottom of a lot of regional rankings and think you've gotten that large chance. It's just not realistic. And Superior was sitting ninth. Red alert should have been going off. we got to go win the AQ. And knowing you didn't, you didn't realize there's no way you're jumping for not winning the AQ nine to something higher to get into the tournament when you got to figure everybody else ahead of you lost too. It doesn't change the equation. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, for example, I listened to um, or watched – a good portion of the WIAC championship, uh, WIAC tournament championship game yesterday. I'm I'm trying to be very careful not to qualify something as a tournament championship game because whether a conference considers its regular season winner or the tournament winner as the conference champ is kind of irrelevant to the selection process. So uh, the AQ, the final, the conference final, and the superior broadcasters seemed very understanding that they were uh, aware that. Uh, they needed to win to get in. Oshkosh had a decent shot, perhaps, in an at-large if they had lost and Superior had won. But Superior, uh, by losing, they knew they, they, they knew pretty well they were not going to get in. Uh, question regarding the Chicago women. says, uh, how does the committee pass up University of Chicago 20-7? and seven? Well, first off, they're 18-7. and seven. Ties for UAA Conference. Yeah, yep, that's pretty seven. tough. Four or seven losses to the top 10 teams. Fifth in strength of schedule could have gone on uh, to many different brackets makes no sense. Well, for starters, they're eighteen and seven um, overall, and they're really seven, and they're seventeen and seven because Illinois Tech is right. basically not a Division three school yet. Yep, doesn't count. So they're seventeen and seven, um, but they do have losses. Um, a loss to Carthage doesn't help them. A loss to Manchester doesn't help them. Um, loss to Whitewater did not help them this year. Lost to Wheaton was okay, because Wheaton's certainly in. Lost to Hope doesn't hurt, and lost to Wash U doesn't hurt, but you lost to Wash U twice. Yes, your strength of schedule is phenomenal, but this comes down to that question of strength of schedule versus win-loss. At some point, you have to win your games. And at 17-7, and seven, seven losses, especially when you probably have, you should have beat, let's just argue, for argument's sake, you should have beaten Manchester, should have beaten Carthage. Let's just say you should have beaten Whitewater. That yeah, alone right would have made you sure. twenty and four in the eyes of the NCAA, and probably would have probably would have made you a lock. Um, yeah, if we go back to the, I'm going to go back to the board for a second here too, just to take a look at if we had um, if we'd given Chicago just one more win and make them eighteen and six, the strength of schedule still remains the same at ludicrous height. Um, you know who did we who did we select the last couple times around? Um, yeah, we selected teams with 
pretty vanilla strength of schedules, but with better records. I think Chicago needed to win two more. I, I think it's not just one. The Whitewater game for sure. I Whitewater, Whitewater proved uh, teams proved they could beat Whitewater this year, and University of Chicago needed to be on that list. Um, so it, it's maybe it's not necessarily the uh, um, any one game in the UAA would have helped as well, but certainly the Whitewater game. I think they needed two wins to get in. It's not just a matter of one leaving them out. Yeah, and that Manchester Carthage are the two that jump out at me there, or even yeah. split with WashU. Though I realize that's tough. Um, but still a split in the win at you know at your place. Uh, Mark writes, really surprised Bethel, a shock. Might as well have been Superior. Just quickly back, Bethel's got better numbers than Superior anyway, um, so I don't think you could have made it Superior. Um, trying to see if we got some other things in here. I was going to just dive in and see if there was any uh, common opponents or anything we could point to, but I, I don't know if Superior played uh, Mayak teams. And um, Let me see here. So the... I mean, Superior played McAllister, um, but that's not going to that's not going to be a differentiator. A lot of teams, uh, McAllister didn't uh, didn't beat too many uh, contenders this year. By the way, um, let's not confuse polls and criteria. Person oh, regarding Superior says, "I got to vote. I got to vote in the top twenty-five yet." <laughs> you, um, <laughs> if you're if you're better than us, then why aren't you? They ranked higher in any of the polls. Listen, the NCAA has criteria based on the criteria. That the NCAA has, which is very not restrictive, but is set. That's where it changes. Well, and they're ranked in the regional polls. You got to look at the regional polls. And and frankly, Dave, I would be perfectly fine if uh, we just uh, not even address some of the questions from people who don't understand. On, on no, the I know. I was just trying to take advantage of the works. opportunity to point out that there is the criteria that the NCAA has. As a top twenty-five voter, I don't have any criteria essentially. And so you can choose different things. Um, you know, that's the, like on the men's side, Albertus Magnus or St. Norbert being deeper in the regional rankings than their national rankings. And it's not that off, that not that surprising. Question coming on the men's side. Does, and by the way, a couple more questions that I got to get to uh, Dave Martin. Uh, does the lower left Babson region seem a little light, especially compared to the two upper regions for the men? No, uh, nothing to me says it's light because I think there's some there's some sneakily good teams in there. I think Hopkins, we've already said all year, has been pretty darn good. Um, Stockton may be finally coming together after some tough spot in the middle of the season. Um, I think Bates is a team that could prove that they're better than what everybody thinks they are. Um, Trinity, Connecticut has certainly proven that they're good. If you go 9-1 and one through the NESCAC, in, what, in a NESCAC that was very challenging in the sense that there were a lot of middle teams which mean everybody was beating everybody and you come out of that nine and one that's nothing to shake a stick at all intents and purposes eastern connecticut is apparently playing well and i think salisbury could could turn into a little bit of a sleeper here uh they've got a very good squad that's really maybe a year early they, they're going to be good next year especially i don't think the lower left is especially all that less challenging than others but then at the same time geography plays a role here at some point in time and the top of the bracket, there's a lot they tried to do to avoid some games, and they couldn't. They didn't have any choices. And the bottom left, you gotta you gotta have them play event somewhere, and you can't ship them wherever you want to ship them. Well, I think what this person is referring to, and I, and I would uh, agree with them on this point, is it's certainly devoid of uh, of name brand programs. Sure. Right? But we've seen this year uh, that the name brand programs are not necessarily um, the ones that are uh, going to get it done, or yeah. or guaranteed of getting it done anyway. I mean, we've had so many ups and downs in the uh, in Division Three men's basketball this year that 
it's just uh, it's just nuts. So I mean, if Stockton is the only name brand in this half of the bracket uh, with uh, or this quarter of the bracket with Babson, yeah, I mean that's true. That's definitely true. I I don't think that. Uh, I think Babson has a lot to worry about, though, in all honesty. Uh, you know, nobody in the new Mac won an NCAA tournament game last year. They went four and out. Four teams got in. They all went out in the first round. Um, so I don't think uh, anybody uh, anybody who's a Babson fan can start counting chickens because, um, you know, the eggs have yet to be laid here. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Dave Martin will join us, the Women's Basketball Committee Chair. He will discuss uh, the decisions there on the women's side and get your questions answered as well. Hopefully he'll be joining us via Skype. Um, any final thoughts before we go to him, Pat? No, try to conference us in. That will be cool. We'll see where uh, Dave Martin, what it looks like in Indianapolis today. Yeah. Well, actually, he's in Misericordia. But... Oh, boring. Well, technology has changed everything. Um, all right, so we'll go to a break and we'll bring him in. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Um, plenty more Hoopsville ahead, and we'll bring in Dave Martin as well. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. 
The sure. college basketball experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Well, who does these days? Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools yeah. than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. No, you're fine. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from all Southwestern right, to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along yeah. with it is a big plus. Nice. I do too. I was just talking about those games you know, the other day. That was a your sinus uh, Coast Guard thriller. Adversity at all different angles. Yeah. Hey, uh, 10 well, seconds division here. Three school, and I'm going to come back really and then bring you around in. you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, Let's is see if I can get this. you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, right, Pat, I didn't I really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team yeah. that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during Sorry, soccer, to try to take a call after soccer, work. that's your um, own personal time to really find okay. out So get ready to stand by, sir. and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, yeah. basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to Go ahead, better plug prioritize it in. my life. And I, I got time to stall. I can set it up here. And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, we're on our bracket special here. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, the brackets have been announced today at 1030 or 1230. Jeez, felt like 1030 because that's when I started working on them. 1230 Eastern time for the men and 230 Eastern time for the women. Uh, I think I said that right. If I didn't, I apologize. Um, nonetheless... Um, we uh, always say that we'll talk to the committee chairs on these shows and they've always been gracious enough to grace our time so we will be talking to Dave Martin here momentarily but again if you have questions for us or Dave tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook Facebook.com slash Hoopsville we'll now go to Skype where Pat had originally been joining us and now Dave Martin will join us Pat will join us via telephone here momentarily. I know he's on hold as we speak, but Dave, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I appreciate it. My pleasure, David. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, a little interesting occasion. You and I had a conference call earlier this morning. I think no one appreciated the fact two Daves were going to be on the call. Made it for some interesting moments on occasions. Um, listen, uh, first off, your men's team certainly dancing. That's That's a nice thing, but you were busy with the women's side of all of this. Um, you and I talked during the conference call. You guys were working until 1.30 in the morning. And I got a sense that a lot of that had to do with the fact that the women's a lot of the women's tournaments were finishing late on the day on Sunday. Yeah, my buddy Brad Bankston arranged it so that ODAC final would go into overtime. And, <laughs> and uh, But, uh, yeah, no, we uh, – that's exactly right. You, you, you have the, the, uh, the Sunday finals – and uh, in a couple of cases, the, the, the women went after the men or were pushed back a little bit. So that forces us to get started a little bit later. And uh, it was it was tough, as it always is. You know, I, 
I think the most important thing, um, a lot of folks will, will focus on the bracket and who's playing where, and, and absolutely that's important. But I think that for me, the, the key is, you know, let's make sure we get the, the right 64 in, or in this case, you know, we had the 20 um, pool C's, the 20 at-larges, and um, we, we did our due diligence. We spent a lot of time on the selection, and, you know, if you have 20 pool C's, there's 24 that probably deserve to get in. You know, it, it, that's always the case, but uh, we spent a lot of time on, on that last, uh, the, the last four or five spots. Um, and that's usually the, the most challenging part. Just to clarify for anybody out there, you guys do pick your teams before you look at the bracket. So, you know, the, the adage of picking Bethel, for example, um, didn't have a, a, a factor in play for geography. It just happened to be you picked them and then you bracket. Correct. We, we, we do our selections first um, because, again, the, uh, we, we feel like we want the, the teams that are most deserving to get in. That, that's what it's all about. The, the, uh, our kids deserve that. So uh, we'll select the uh, – it'd be a lot easier if we could bracket first. <laughs> yeah. Gonna... But it doesn't always uh, – uh, we don't do that. And uh, as I said, the, the key for us was really trying to make sure that we get uh, the, the, those, those 20 pool Cs. Let, let's try to get them right. I believe Pat is joining us now via telephone. Pat, are you there? Oh, uh, hold I'm on. Here. I don't know if everybody can hear each other, to be honest with you. This might be interesting. Dave, can you hear Pat if he's talking? I can hear Pat. Check Good, one, I can't. I'll fix that with some earphones so I haven't had to wear in a while. All right. So, uh, hey, other Dave, how you doing? Good, buddy. How have you been? <laughs> um, am I uh, responsible for asking the next no, question? No, I was just getting. I was just getting my earpiece. I'm now good to go. I can hear you now. I just didn't didn't walk that through um let me ask have to ask any questions we could just chat we catch up you know yeah there you go (laughs) nothing wrong with that let me ask you this though dave as we get into the the meat and potatoes of this obviously it it appears it came down to and i know there's eight eight teams at the table but it seems like it came down to whitworth and chicago with uh, gaudy sos numbers and average or missing wins as it were from their records versus a mcdaniel and a bethel squad with maybe not great SOS numbers and others, um, but certainly better winning percentages. How did you guys kind of toy over those challenges? Yeah, that's you know that's the the question every year. You've got the the high SOS with maybe seven or eight losses, and then you've got the the, the high winning percentage, the 23, 24 wins, that type of thing. Um, as I've said before, it's really a matter of of looking at that whole body of work, you know, and and, and digging in. Um, as I mentioned, that, the, that last three or four spots for us took us longer than probably the first 12 or 14 pool C's that got in. Uh, but you, I, I think our committee did a really good job of looking at the full body of work um, and, and evaluating uh, each of, of those schools um, against each other. And I, honestly, I, I think we got it right. I really do. Dave, uh, Pat Coleman, may I ask you... Um, if you're, uh, how many games would, uh, or how many more wins would Whitworth have had to have? How many more D3 schools would it have been helpful for them to have played? Because they played those six games against non-D3 schools. What yeah. would have been a, a number that would have helped them? You know, I, I, I don't, I don't. That's a good question, Pat, and I, I don't have a definitive answer. Um, but you know, you're, you're, you're looking at like, like you guys had, you threw McDaniel out there, and. and, and 
you, you, you've got, you know, 15 and five versus a 24 and three. Um, that's a big gap. And I'm not saying it, it came down to them, but as an example, that's a big gap in wins. So what's the magic number? Um, I, you know, I, there, there's no magic number. There's no formula. Uh, but certainly, and, and I understand, we understand the, 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 uh, their situation, the geography of it. Um, but it, it certainly would have helped them if they would have been able to pick up two or three more wins in, uh, you know, in, in the division. Talking to Dave Martin here, men's, or men's, geez, old habits there, women's <laughs> basketball committee chair. He used to be men's basketball committee chair a few years back in his second year as committee chair, had athletics director at Misericordia as well. Um, and joining us via Skype, of course, Pat Coleman from D3Hoops.com joining us on the telephone as we chat things over here. Uh, you also had said to me, Dave, how much the upsets, and obviously all upsets cause wrinkles, but really kind of put some things um, into, or change the equation. For example, Rhodes uh, almost helped you, but kind of killed some momentum at the same time, maybe for some creativity. Yeah, you know, with, with, uh, with Rhodes winning that AQ, uh, it, 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 you're right. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a good and it's a bad in that, uh, it's good in that we end up with that pod at, uh, at UT Dallas. Um, but it, it, with that said, and, and geography being one of the major tenets of, of bracketing, um, it, it kind of tied our hands there and this is, this is where it was at. And, and it was, you know, that was an easy one actually. And of course, Scranton, DePaul, Transylvania, Ithaca, and then the upset in the ODAC kind of changed some things. All those teams got in. How much do those uh, teams losing also possibly affect hosting scenarios? I saw Eastern Mennonite losing. I, I kind of uh, guessed that that could have cost them a host. Um, Scranton certainly could have put themselves in that position. Um, I don't know if DePaul did, but maybe Transylvania. I'm guessing. I'm not going on any information I have. But how much could those losses not only affect somebody else getting in the tournament, but affect who could get in or, or, or who gets a host and who doesn't get the host? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You know, but, um, in determining who gets in and, and hosting and all those things, you, again, we, we've really tried to, to do a good job of looking at, at the, the total body of work. Uh, I think with, with hosting... What we really tried to do, uh, in, in theory anyway, a, 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 as you set out, we have eight regions and there are 16 pods in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we tried to reward, if you will, the, uh, the, the highest ranked teams in each of those regions with a hosting opportunity. We felt like they earned that. Um, they did what they needed to do in terms of taking care of their business and winning and those types of things. So that that's kind of uh, where, where our... Uh, our hosting uh, ideas came from. Let's try to reward those top-ranked teams in, in, in each of the regions. Um, you know, Scranton lost, but their total body of work uh, put them in a situation where they were still able to host. Sorry, I'm calling on a piece of video that of one of the teams seeing that they made the NCAA tournament. We'll show that in just a minute. That's great. Yeah, that's that's the fun part. You know, it. it you see how excited the kids get. I I, I got here in time uh, today to see our men's announcement, and uh, we knew we were in, but we didn't know where we were going. And we're on spring break, and we had a little get together in our Hall of Fame room, and uh, just see the kids' reaction. It's it, it's pretty cool. Um, go ahead, Pat. 
So, uh, Dave, the other question I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, we've talked uh, both on and off the air for several years about the fact that when you're stuck with one of those either West Coast or South or Southwest pods that has an empty spot in it, that you could literally fly someone from anywhere in the country to uh, to go participate in that pod. So you have one of those this year with Penn State Abington making the long trip to George Fox. Um, what uh, you know? Was there any pushback from the NCA about that? It's a little unlike Division Three, but I think very, um, I, I think very defensible. Yeah, well, you know, it, it was a unique situation, um, and kind of, again, just who got in and, and, and the geography of it all. Um, George Fox obviously had an outstanding year. No matter what we did, the the minimum number of flights that we were going to have was two. It, it, it didn't matter what what we did, and, and so we, we played around with that and, and shuffled that around quite a bit. Um, we ended up uh, <laughs> we ended up with with, with Penn State Abington. Uh, you know, we, we tried to be consistent with with the, the the schools, the number one schools, and the schools that, that uh, had the high rankings. Uh, we had to fly somebody from uh, from the east out there, so we're looking at what makes sense. And believe it or not. Uh, we looked at mileage. You know, I can tell you that I, I think Penn State Abington's about 2,800 miles. You can look it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, we looked at Pine Manor, for example. They'd be flying out of Boston. That was over 3,000 miles. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was interesting. Uh, but but we ended up in, in in terms of the geography of it all and making it all fit into place. Uh, we ended up uh, sending Penn State Abington out there, and uh, we were going to have two flights. Uh, no matter what, so uh, that that that's how it came down. Talking to Dave Martin here, men's or women's basketball committee chair. We'll talk to Jeff Burns, men's basketball committee chair. Coming up a little bit later in the show, um, Pat Coleman joining us via telephone. Pat, another question? No, go ahead. Very good. Um, obviously, women having the sectional or having the opportunity to host the first weekend, Dave, made things a little bit easier in some senses when you bracketed, but was there any thought that to thinking ahead to the next weekend and how that might, ra- you know, have some ramifications on travel and what you guys may or may not be able to do um, the next weekend when you don't have the first rights? Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying there's anything on the on the schedule necessarily yeah. that's jumping out at me, but I'm just curious if that's part of the thinking when you're putting your bracket together. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> we talked about it briefly. Um, but, but again, honestly, what, one of the things that, that we did, as I mentioned earlier, David, um, we, we wanted to try to make sure that there was balance across the country in, in terms of the, the, those schools that had been uh, the highest ranked schools all year. You know, George Fox, Thomas Moore, Calvin, Montclair, Tufts. Uh, what we set out when we started, there are four quadrants, as you know, four quadrants of 16 we tried to make sure that we would that we would get uh, two ones and two twos, if you will, in each one of those quadrants to try to balance the power. The thing that we didn't want to have happen was uh, a situation where it, it appeared that one school has had an easier path to to get to Grand Rapids, or one school had a, a more mm-hmm. difficult path to uh, to get to Grand Rapids. And I, I think we did a good job with that. I I, I laugh. I I think it was Pat. I could be wrong. Might have been my first year on the men's committee. We had uh, the bracket of death, <laughs> as it was termed, and I, that's always stayed with me. Uh, it, you know, the feeling was that one of the one of the quadrants was a lot more difficult than the other three, and 
Uh, I've kind of carried that with me, and, and we joke about the bracket of death, but really wanted to try to make sure that uh, we balanced around the country and that uh, we could get, um, you know, the, the four best teams or, or get four uh, uh, teams that have had great years all year to, to Grand Rapids where we'd have a great, uh, a great championship. When you when you say that um, and you look at what you did, what was kind of the message you tell your committee then as you're bracketing? Uh, is there scenarios? And I'm not looking for a specific, but is there scenarios that you had? You're like, oh, come on, let's 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 see if we can avoid that and find something else. And does that add to the time or is it you guys kind of are already prepared and, and maybe um, doing other things to avoid it already ahead of time? Yeah, no, you know, honestly, David, we we uh, we didn't do a lot of work ahead of time because you just don't know, you know, you don't know who's going to get in there. And it turns out there, there are upsets and that kind of thing. And that's probably why it, it took us longer last night. And then we got back on the call again this morning to, uh, to get fresh eyes on it. And we were on the call for, for a while this morning, again, uh, making, making some minor adjustments and tweaking it. Uh, it's a matter of, of you know, starting with those, those higher seeds, if you will. And as you guys know, we, we certainly, could never see the entire bracket, the entire championship, but certainly get those higher seeded teams where we want them, and then just kind of filling in with ge- geography being again a, a major driver of what we're doing. Um, sorry, doing three things. Um, <laughs> when uh, when you guys you talked about wanting the the ones and the twos and the quadrants and such like that, um, and you want to look for the most even situations in in terms of balance. Um, are you guys looking at just the rankings? Are you looking at SOS numbers? Are you looking at at the whole picture to determine if uh, Cabrini Muhlenberg's the right matchup there, or is it better as something else? And I'm just randomly picking one. It's not not that I have an issue with one in, or another. I'm just sure as a reference. Yeah. No. You know, um, we do the, the the best we can. It, 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 obviously during selection time you're, you're digging into everything um when we are doing the bracketing we're, we're trying to um get the best matchups that we can that, that, that are going to fit into this bracket and, and and work with what we have to do geographically so i wouldn't say that we we necessarily go through every single pod of four teams and i mean you know that if you listen to the guys on the division one calls they 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 work for two months to, to massage that type of thing. Um, we, we certainly pay attention and we want to make sure that we don't have any, any rematches where, uh, you know, somebody has already met during, during the year, those types of things. Um, but in terms of really overanalyzing it and, and digging in that way, I would say not as much, honestly. Pat? Hello, Pat? I'm still here. I was uh, defending you on the message board, David. Uh-oh. Uh, I, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Which Dave are you saying you're defending? I'm a little worried now. Uh, Dave McHugh. Uh, you can go to the uh, men's pool C board who you pissed off uh, royally the other day by uh, slapping him down. Uh, um, I'll care later. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. Uh, true. <laughs> uh, Dave, I want to uh, – Dave Martin, sorry. I was just going to harken back to something you were talking about earlier about um, – uh, bracket of death and that sort of thing. Now that yeah. you've had a couple of years as the women's chair, um, do you find that it's is it easier to avoid a bracket of death in women's basketball because uh, you know is it 
is it possible that the that you find there are national contenders in more spots around the country than maybe there were sometimes in men's basketball? Um, I, 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 that's a great question. I, I think it's easier to avoid because I'm, I, you know, I, I live through it. I'm, I'm probably more conscientious about it, uh, more thoughtful toward it, and and we're more aware. Uh, we just, I think it's evolved, and I, I think you guys have a lot to do with that. Honestly, you guys do such a great job of covering college basketball in Division Three for both the men and the women. Um, it, 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 you know, people are, are, are more are more well informed, and uh, I think that's that's great. It's a good thing. So I, I think there is a lot of balance across the country. Um, we've got a lot of really good basketball teams. And I think this tournament's going to be very exciting. I'm looking forward to Grand Rapids. I really am. I think the folks at Calvin, um, we did a site visit there in, in uh, October, and I've been on just about weekly uh, host site calls w w with the folks at Calvin and, and uh, Jim and Nancy. and it, 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 They're going to do a great job. It, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think that we could have four outstanding teams, or I think it could really be an, ex an exciting weekend. So, Dave... Dave Martin, Dave McHugh and I have both been out there. Um, it's a really big uh, facility. The uh, Division Three Women's Basketball Championship hasn't put that many butts in seats. Um, you know, I just, my, I love it, and I'm, I'm glad that they're getting a shot. I just wonder what, you know, what it looks like if there's 900 people in a 5600 seat arena. Well, we'll put all 900 in one area and make sure the camera stays there. I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's a great question. It, it is. It's, it's a tremendous venue, and. and they worked uh, with us. You know, they've got the, the big uh, digital uh, scoreboard, the message board. We're going to be able to do some really cool things with that. Um, I, I think it's going to be really neat. And it, it, you're right. It, it may be, um, it may be a little too big for for what we have. Uh, we'll we'll find out. We'll see. But uh, I, I think the I think the kids. I think our student athletes are going to love it. Um, some of the things that uh, that the Calvin folks have planned. Are fantastic. Um, it's a Grand Rapids is really a, a, a pretty cool uh, a pretty cool city. Uh, we were there for a couple of days, and uh, there's a lot more going on there than just the Gerald Ford Museum. I can tell you that. So, <laughs> it's true. Um, Dave, a question regarding them though um, is you know, and I know it was before you were on the women's committee. There's times where you know a team like Calvin is certainly positioned well to potentially host all the way to their home site. Yeah. Uh, and in some years we've seen it where that doesn't happen and they send that team the second weekend somewhere else and there's always been the theory that they just don't want it to be a too f much of an unfair advantage for a team to be able to host all the way to their home gym. Have you guys even looked at that potential scenario? Has that even been discussed? And if it has been discussed, is there anything we can learn now about what that could mean should Calvin win too and looking at next weekend? Yeah, um, we have discussed it, as you could probably guess. Uh, that, that wasn't lost on us. Um, but I don't know that there's anything that I'm going to tell you right now that's going to, that's going to help. You know, <laughs> at, at the end of the first and second rounds, we'll get on a call that Sunday morning and we'll select the, uh, the sites for the, the sectionals moving forward. Um, we did talk about it, and you know what, Cal Calvin got the bid to uh, to host the national championships. And uh, my thinking is, if if it comes out that they deserve to host in this sectional, uh, they probably 
have a very good shot at, at doing that. And again, that that's not something that we've talked about. If we, we've talked about them advancing and, and the potential for them to host all the way through. No no decisions were made or anything like that. But my feeling personally would would be if, if uh, you know it is what it is. If they deserve to host, if, if we just decide that those four teams in that sectional uh, that Calvin's the best host and. My guess is that's probably where where we'll go. Um, speaking of hosting, if you don't mind me, kind of going back a little bit here quickly. Uh, Amherst women hitting the road, not hosting. Um, I'm not saying they necessarily did, but that kind of brings up the thought to my head that it's you talk about trying to get the ones and the twos um, spread out as much as you could. It also looks, and you talked about trying to have as as many people host as possible across the country. It looks like you guys did make a conscious effort to at least get, and I, I don't think I counted more than two of each region hosting. Uh, that's correct. That, that's correct. I think, I think that's accurate. Um, yeah, as I said, you know, you play all year. And while we have um, moved closer and closer to a game as a game, uh, and we, 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 we want to look at this as a national tournament, there's still a, a very strong... Uh, regional emphasis if you will you know we do regional ranking so uh, i guess our thinking was that you play all year and uh you know you're the you're the number one seed in the or the number one ranked team in the atlantic or the number one ranked team in the central or whatever the case may be and you go through that way uh if if you have the potential to host and you want to host you should be rewarded because you've earned that and i think that's kind of been the mindset or the, or the thinking um and that's how we got to where to where we were. Pat, anything? I think we lost Pat I'm again. Sorry. Oh, there he is. Oh, I'm good, thanks. Um, well, and, and obviously not a ton to talk about, which I I always take as a as a <laughs> lovely thing. Um, you know, no surprises necessarily. Obviously, there's certain certain factors in play that that come down to this. Um, obviously, we can't start part figuring out the next weekend until we see results but anything in this process that was the most challenging for you guys whether I mean we know the the last picks but maybe in the bracketing what was what was your biggest challenge that you guys had to face off with this um (laughs) you're you're right David the the selection piece is always the most challenging because you know that somebody isn't going to get in somebody that probably deserves it um so that 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 is is stressful, and I think that's why it, it takes so much time. You know, we 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 split hairs, and we want to do the the best job that we can to make sure that we get uh, the the teams that are most deserving. Uh, in terms of the bracket, you know, it, 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 every year is different because you don't know who's going to get in, and you know, if you look at that split, you know, the kind of east west split, um, just the way the numbers played out. We, we are trying to figure out what the heck we're going to do, and, and there has to be a flight. And, you know, as you guys uh, had, uh, had pointed out, you know, we're flying Penn State Abington to George Fox. And when's the last time that happened, you know? So mm-hmm. um, that, that that whole thing, playing through that and, and plugging teams in, it was almost like we had, if you divided the country in half, you know, you, you had 33 schools that could get places on the East Coast and 31 on the or, or, or uh, 
32 and 31, so you, they're 33 and 31, you know, how are we going to make this work? And we, we spent a lot of time uh, trying to, um, and I know Kelly, Kelly Shaw's bosses will be happy to hear this. We spent an awful lot of time trying to figure out how, how we could uh, minimize flights. And um, we, we, we came up with the fact that, that two was the, few, the fewest that we could get, and, and we ended up going in that direction. So that, that's probably, you know, you always have that. Uh, it's interesting. We have a, a, a piece of software um, where you can run your cursor over a school, and it'll tell you how many miles it is from each one of the 16 hosts. Hmm. You know, that's... That's part of the yeah. bracketing. You guys are able to look at win, win, loss, strength of schedule, and we're looking at mileage sometimes. You know, but uh, it. it oh, uh, we do all that too. <laughs> I know. I know you do. I know you do. Uh, but it, you know, that's that, that. was probably the the uh, the most interesting thing. We knew we had two flights, um, so how do we make those work uh, and and make it work with the rest of the bracket? I guess. Let me ask you that then, since your time on the men's committee and now on your on the women's committee, I know a lot has changed. This is now two years in a row. I know both chairs have not been out to Indianapolis, and I've gotten a sense that because of technological changes and such that you guys don't have to be in Indianapolis. A lot of it is now what you would get in Indianapolis is right at your fingertips in front of you now. It's the only change is the venue and maybe having the liaison sitting right next to you versus being on a telephone instead. Is that is that the right kind of uh, understanding of it? Is it changed so much that, that, that there doesn't need to be a, a trip to Indianapolis to make this work efficiently? Um, I, I think you're right to a certain extent, the technology piece. You know, we're, we're fortunate. We have a guy named Ethan Walker who is, uh, he is the guru. He, he, he's really good. And we've got more stuff on the, on the computer screen than, than you could ever imagine. I can remember when I was on the men's committee, we're still writing the eight schools down on an eight and a half by 11 sheet, and I still do it out of habit. And as, some, as one team goes off the board, I, I cross it out and add another team to the bottom. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's funny, but I, I can actually, I don't want you to see any of the, the schools. Oh, darn. There's my, there's my, you can see it, that's my tablet. As they come off, you cross them off and that's the way we used to do it. Now we don't have to do it that way now because of, of technology. And, and Ethan is absolutely fantastic with all that stuff. I still do that. But yeah, you're you're right, David. It with everything that we have available to us, um, it, it it really doesn't necessitate uh, us being in in uh, in Indy. You know, I I'll go back to, again. My time on the men's committee, we had the big board, and I remember John Williams and I putting pins, we put pins on the map to look and see who was in and, you know, we're looking at it that way. And that stuff is all uh, antiquated, if you will. It's, it's not necessary anymore. And uh, that, that's a good thing. I, I, the, the other thing that um, I, I think is pretty cool, we talk about all this technology and we have more data than we've ever had. But I think that, that, that the ranking and the, uh, the bracketing, there's still an art to it. You know, it, it, it's a science, and we've got all the numbers and all the data, but I, I think that there's still an art to it, and I think that's the, the beauty of, of having a, a committee. Um, and I think that's why there is still a need for a committee. If, if, if it was, uh, you know, if it was just a matter of plugging um, numbers into a computer and it spits out, here's your teams, 
Um, I, I, I think some of the excitement, some of that human element would be would be taken out of it. Uh, I, I think that I know in the case of our committee, the group is very objective, very conscientious, trying to get it done the right way. Um, but at the same time, there, you know, there, there's that that human element to it, that, that the art of, of ranking and bracketing. And that's fun. You know, it, it, it's interesting. Can you do me a favor? Can you hold up that sheet again? I just wanted to see the last eight teams in. Just, just hold up that sheet really close to the camera. I could zoom in and you could No, please. Terrible. I have terrible. Oh, I can read it. My dad's a doctor. Come on. Let me see the sheet. Um, uh, darn it. Voted in red and green, Dave. Yeah. Uh, any chance I can find out who the last four in were? I can read it. Come on. You want me to tell you who the last four Yeah. Is? Who were the last four? Do you mind if we ask that? You can ask it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Okay, I'm asking. No, oh. you know, uh, you know, I'm not going to divulge that. I, hey, it's that. it's worth a try, right? <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Uh, ask. Oh, okay. So it, it, here's an interesting question. I don't know if you're going to be able to give the answer. This is a, a fan who's in the, has got a, a team who's hosting the upper right, and those four hosts would be. Uh, Tufts, FDU, Scranton, and um, Geneseo. But yeah. kind of just give everybody a sense, if not necessarily the answer to that, because I don't know if that's a fair thing to do, but how? what are the steps to determining if it were those four, and we don't have any surprises here, and somebody is an outlier that's going to force a different decision here, but what are the kind of the decisions you guys will go through when you decide to who, who will host the sectionals? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, We'll get feedback on how each of the first, second round uh, tournaments went at each one of those sites, and, and provided that they go well and there aren't any issues, uh, we'll we'll do a uh, a save and compare, if you will, just like we do with selections and with rankings. We'll look at those who's left, and, and we'll see okay, who is the most deserving to host. Okay, this is school A is the most deserving to host. Uh, are there any issues with them hosting? Do they have any other events on uh, on campus? Blah, you know, all of those things that, that you, you try to take into account. Uh, and, and that's how we, we come up with a sectional host. Um, Pat, did you have something? Oh, I heard no, something. I, um, I was going to pass along that question from Twitter also. Oh. I just wanted to, I don't know if we're... Um, that's a great question. Uh, that's a great question. And, and honestly, uh, again, guys, just speaking from, from past experience, that's that's kind of the way that we've always tried to do it. You you look at who advances, okay, and you you, you kind of compare those four, and you look at them, and, and who's the most deserving? Who you know who's who has the best resume? And as long as there are no red flags, you know, you didn't have hotel issues mm -hmm. or you didn't have you know whatever the case may be. Um, that's that that's kind of how that's been decided. Um, one of the other questions I had regarding um, hosting too was, um, are there minimums that you guys are at least looking at? A lot of these schools I don't think are in play here to hit minimums necessarily, but is that always an overriding factor that could change things? Yeah, that that's all. And, and again, we it, it falls under the the umbrella of the committee. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. Um. I mentioned Ethan Walker earlier. You know, all that information, schools have to submit all that information, facility information, that kind of thing. And uh, Ethan just does a great job of, of sorting that out. And uh, mm -hmm. if there's a school that doesn't meet a minimum, it's not like we're, we're, we're you know, like the court size or something to that effect, uh, seating capacity. 
we're not surprised by that on Sunday night at midnight when we're trying to bracket. We 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 know that in advance. We actually discuss have discussed those types of things at our our annual meeting that we have in the spring when we get together in Indy for a few days. So um, th there are minimums that is looked at. We do have knowledge of that, but uh, the the national office in, in 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 particular, our guy Ethan Walker does a great job with that stuff. Well, sir, I, I've kind of run out of stuff on my end. I'm not sure about Pat's end, but I'm pretty sure uh, we don't have anything other uh, to, to ask you because, well, we now have raised the bar and we expect this to be a terrific uh, bracket every year, Dave. Um, I'm just warning you now it's a good thing you've got two more years on this committee. Well, you know what? <laughs> every, every, I appreciate your, your, uh, the undue added pressure. But no, we, uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, it, we, I, I've said it before in all of my years of committee work, I'm so impressed with the, the level of professionalism, the integrity of the people on the committee. Uh, at the end of the day, all they want to do is, is get it right and give our student athletes the best possible experience that they can have. And it's, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's labor intensive for these few weeks. It, it, you put a lot of time and effort into it, but um, it, it's really cool to see uh, people giving of themselves and, 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 and you know, giving back and, and, and trying to make it a quality experience for the kids. And I, I'm, as I said earlier, I'm really excited about Grand Rapids. I, I think it's, I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. I think they're going to put on a good show and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, great, some, some great games. Pat, before I cut them loose, any thought, any, any final things for Dave? No, Dave. Dave, I just wanted to thank you for uh, joining us and being uh, being willing to join us on uh, Selection Monday. I know that uh, you're probably as uh, as beat as uh, Dave and I are. So, anytime that you're willing to come out, take the time, answer questions from crazy fans and me and Dave, who may also be crazy fans, I uh, definitely appreciate it, man. Now, my pleasure. I, I said it before, guys. I I really do appreciate all that you do for Division Three basketball. It. If you think back, you know, I, I've been here at Misericordia for 26 years. And as you guys know, I, I started my career as the men's basketball coach. If you think back to when, when you guys first started and, you know, the message boards, and I, I don't follow that stuff. I stopped. Oh, yes, you do. You got good. But the, 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 the interesting thing is um, how much Division three basketball has grown. And, and you guys really, you really do have, have a have a, a major hand in that you've played a big role in advancing our game and uh just generating excitement and, and, and people following it and talking about it and um i i really do and i know a lot of people feel the same way that i do we really appreciate all that you've done for division three basketball well thank you dave uh, appreciate the kind words uh thank you for joining us always enjoyable to talk to the chair uh, I'm sure we'll uh, pick your brain a little bit, uh, maybe off air next week after you've made decisions on sectionals. Yep. Um, but as always, enjoy the tournament. Uh, get some sleep. Um, by the way, we suited up. I don't see a suit on you. <laughs> Come on. I've got I've, I've got a pair of the old gray sweatpants on the bottom, buddy. I'm yeah. Well, now. we're on that, spring break, so I'm casual. Oh, nice spring break. There's anything but right now. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I, I offer, as always, final word. Any final thoughts you want to share, with, especially anything you want to make sure people understand? No, just you know, thanks again to uh, to you guys. A special shout out to my committee. They they put a lot of uh, a lot of time and effort and energy into uh, 
putting this all together. And I, I really think they did a great job. I think we got it right with the 64 that are in. And uh, looking forward to a great tournament. I hope people that are in the area of, of these games, I hope you come out and support Division Three basketball. Very good. Thank you, sir. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Dave Martin joining us here via Skype. We appreciate him taking the time. We're going to take uh, a quick break, then we're going to have a, a quick segment with Pat, and then we're going to talk to a couple coaches coming up here at 4.30. Um, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus and to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. 
at a Division three school. School is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Our selection, our bracket special. Forgot to do this as we were going to break. I wanted to show the excitement that one team had when they found out they had made the NCAA tournament. This team had to wait a while. Pool C bid, or Pool C uh, a bid for them. They were an at-large team. They had to wait about, oh, let's see here. Whew, well over three-quarters of the bracket to be announced. Watch Transylvania as they finally realize that they are dancing in the NCAA tournament. Oh, sorry, hit the wrong button, and there we go. Pretty cool for them, and uh, you'll notice at the very beginning of that video, potentially, that they looked extremely nervous. Um, waiting for that decision to be made, but they are into the dance. Congratulations uh, to them. We got about 10 minutes before we're going to get to another guest. We're going to be joined by Nancy Fay from WashU. First time that they are hosting the opening weekend since 2008, I believe is the number. I got to double check here. Hold on. Uh, I had it in front of me and then lost it. 2009. Uh, and we'll also talk to McDaniel women's basketball coach Becky Martin on getting into the NCAA tournament. Becky and I talked a couple weeks ago. She thought they had to win the AQ or they had no chance. Um, in the meantime, Pat Coleman rejoins us on Skype. Um, first and foremost, all, always nice to talk to Dave Martin, as we've talked to him many times over the years in his roles as men's and women's committee chair. But it's interesting this year, not a lot to talk about in some capacity because a lot of it seems pretty obvious or at least straight, nat or straight in nature. Yeah, I mean, it's actually... It's surprising slash uh, pleasant to not have a lot of uh, contentious conversations about these sorts of things, right? It was a uh, it was a fairly straightforward uh, discussion you and I had last night. It was only down to the last couple of spots. It wasn't our last two spots that were at issue. Even it was the uh, um, I think like the third to last spot and the fourth to last spot where we went in a different direction. But in all honesty, um, you know, there's a there's a lot to be there's a lot to be happy about in this bracket. And then as long as you're not University of Chicago or Whitworth, there's a, a lot to be happy about. Sure, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's 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 sad for those two teams. It's going to be sad for some teams anyway, no matter how, how we looked at this. 
Um, but, um, yeah. you know, I think it came down. I think Dave Martin kind of said it there. Um, you know, at some point, you, you got to win games. Um, and at some point, yes, you have a nice SOS. But unless you can win with that SOS, there's only so much a committee can do with it. Just on the flip side of that, I think McDaniel was in trouble with a weak SOS. Uh, if the, you know, let's say there was one more loss there, they're probably on the other side of that equation. Um, though we thought they were on that side of the equation with twenty, you know, with the three losses, but apparently not quite there. So, you know, this is it's a give or take. Uh, it's not a perfect science. It's not an exact answer. You might get a different answer next year too. But more importantly, the big thing is win your games. And I, as we talked about with Chicago, especially there's a couple of losses in there that they couldn't afford. And it goes back to that point, Pat, that we say we haven't said it much this year, though. Interestingly enough, a game on November fifteenth. Counts just as much as a game on on February or March first or February twenty eighth. Um, that game against Manchester counts just as much as that game against anybody else in your UAA schedule. And while it's tough for Chicago, that's that's how it works. And of course, next year any game on November thirteenth, by the way, uh, will count uh, as much. But that that's just something we haven't talked about it a lot this year. But that's kind of the key. Yeah, and uh, U of Chicago has uh, basically three of those type games, or two of them for sure. The Whitewater one is the very opening day. Uh, Manchester one is uh, a week later on November 22nd. And, yeah, you have to uh, – yeah, all of those games count just because they happened 23, 24, 25 games ago. They don't get wiped off your record. Whereas, you know, in some of the other more highly publicized brackets, the last 25% of your schedule might be more important. Here, all of those games count. We only play 25, right? We don't play 32 or something like that. So um, you got to make the most of them, that's for sure. Um, look, I was going to spin looking forward to your um, your uh, Becky Martin and your Nancy Faye conversation yeah. to talk about some of the things that are facing those teams coming up ahead. Uh, you mentioned it has been a little while since WashU's been in this position. Obviously, they've had, um, you know, they've continued to be a, a nationally prominent program, and they've been to the Final Four in that stretch, right? They were at the Illinois Wesleyan Final Four, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Um, they play in the title game. They won a title, right? They've been, uh, they've, they've still been in the conversation. Uh, the men have been good enough to help uh, keep the WashU women from hosting. But um, this is a, I mean, this particular pod. Um, uh, it's a it, it's something that WashU I would think would be heavily favored in, um, but they have a a potential matchup against Thomas Moore in the Sweet 16 that should be pretty interesting. So yeah. uh, look forward to that. Obviously, I don't think Nancy Fay is going to necessarily look forward to that. <laughs> I don't know if Thomas Moore is um, going to look forward to that. To be honest with you, <laughs> no, I mean look forward to it in the course of this conversation. Sure, yes, that also. Um, I'd like to hear from her. You know, her take on NYU, uh, her take on, um, you know, some of the other teams that she's played who is who are in this tournament, teams that she's seen on film, if she'd be willing to talk about, you know, some of the things that uh, that she's seen along those lines. I think that would be interesting for the listenership as it takes forever for the uh, schedule to load. See, uh, oh, Southwestern. I mean, we're probably not going to talk much about Southwestern otherwise. You know, did she see anything on November 22nd that made her think that they might come back around when it was all said and done and win that conference championship? I think that might be just an interesting tack to take with her. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting with her. I mean, again, getting a chance to host for the first time since 2009 is is pretty big for them. Of course, the men will be hosting on Thursday uh, in that in that bye game against DePaul. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to hearing her. Um, you know, they, they had that tough matchup against NYU at the Kohl Center, um, and it didn't let them affect them, which I think is always the impressive thing. You get you can get an emotional game like that that kind of 
kind of take a hit on, and and they didn't. They kind of bounced back and had a really good season the rest of the way. Um, you know, they may be well, they're always a good team, but they may be that team that maybe no one wants to see in this tournament uh, if they're that unrattled. Uh, Dave, you could ask her uh, if she's happy to see the Cold Center go away after this year. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. I don't know. I kind of got from the sense that they're they're going to miss it. I didn't hear that from her necessarily, but I got a sense from the men at least that they're going to miss the place. That uh, you know, that's part of the the lore of going to NYU. That's part of the history of Division Three. Um, I actually, what we might try and do on Thursday is talk to those at NYU. We've gotten a request to talk about what the future of the Coles, you know, is going to be and, and the future of basketball. But uh, it's nice to see that they get to host. We had been told that they couldn't because they were uh, hosting wrestling. It turns out that was on Sunday. So they get to host. Um, I have uh, I have Rob Knox working on that for Around the Nation. So um, in other words, the, I should not touch it is what, is what Pat's trying to I... do. Yeah, we. I had a nice donation, but I'll, I'll find somebody else. I'll find somebody. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. They had choices. We had choices, so we. Will okay, go I got gotcha. you. We'll go to the on choices. the McDa- on the McDaniel side. Obviously, I mean the obvious yeah. story is them getting second life, having a chance to still play after um, after getting uh, knocked off in the Centennial Conference tournament. Yeah. How far down were they? You know, did they did the rest of the team kind of get the same sense that uh, Coach Barton sounds like she had that it you know would be a. Uh, yeah, it would be a, a tough slog for them to get into the tournament. And so how do they feel about that? Where are they going to take it from here? That sort of thing. Yep, absolutely. And see if they even watched it in person. Uh, maybe that's, you know, some teams probably don't want to see the bad news. Um, so maybe they didn't watch it. We'll talk to her. Coming up here on the show, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us or our guests, we'll talk to um, – Nancy Faye and Becky Martin, then we'll switch gears into the men's side at 5 o'clock. We'll be talking to Jeff Burns, the men's committee chair, up there. Um, up there. I don't know what that meant. Um, don't have any Down. guests lined up necessarily, uh, but that doesn't mean we might not stumble into some as we have so far on the women's side. Uh, Pat, before I let you go, um, any other thoughts about what Dave Martin had to say or whatnot? No, I just think it's um, I, I think it's just been a, f- a breath of fresh air for the last couple of years for this committee to have someone who's got committee experience, committee experience in this sport, even um, to to kind of give this uh, give this crew a little jump start. I mean, we've had some, you know, I'm not going to uh, gosh, let's see if there's a a good way, diplomatic way to say this. We haven't had the greatest relationship with the women's basketball committee, and we've tried to cover uh, women's basketball extensively. Um, and sometimes, you know, if there's not a willing partner on the other side who really wants to talk about Division Three women's basketball and engage with us on it, then it's really hard for us to to do a good job covering the sport. And Dave Martin has been the opposite of all that. It's been fantastic um, chatting with him over the last couple of years uh, in regards to women's basketball, uh, the same way it was when he was uh, heavily involved slash chair of the men's basketball committee. So. I just think it's uh, I think it's great for women's basketball to have somebody who really cares about it and gets how important it is to get out there and kind of spread the good news about Division Three women's basketball as well to to be in charge of that committee and, and be in a position to help set the agenda for lack of a better term you know absolutely you know good point uh, it's been fun to chat with them and it's it's nice to just get answers sometimes sometimes we've been ducked and that's on all yes. occasions men and women. 
Um, and, you know, we don't ask, try not ask tough questions, and I think this year we certainly don't have to ask tough questions. Well, I think we try to ask fair questions, right? Yeah. And, and, and fans have tough questions, which may not always be fair, and we try to filter them into, and ask the, the fair questions that really need to be asked. And it's nice when we do that, I, I, I think it's fair to expect answers, and, you know, the chairs recently have been great at that. Yep. Well, I'm going to let you go, sir, so we can get to that interview, and we'll get you back on when Jeff Burns comes on. Thank See you. if you can do any of that. I'll glean, yes. The big <laughs> word from yesterday. Thank you, sir. Pat Coleman joining us here on the show. We're going to take a break. Nancy Faye joining us on the other side from Wash U. Of course, we'll also talk to uh, uh, Becky Martin from McDaniel. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoops will right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. 
With the D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Still talking a little bit about the women's bracket, which came out second today, uh, and the uh, and the ramifications of that, and who's in, who's out, who's hosting, and all that jazz. So if you've got questions for us, we'll certainly try and answer those. We're also talking to a few coaches along the way who uh, are have certainly been impacted, mainly in a good way. Um, on those bracket announcements, and one of those was certainly the Wash U Bears, uh, the UAA champs. We knew were into the tournament, but we weren't sure what that might make. You know what what might happen of them. We figured they might host. We weren't sure, but they did get a chance to host first time since 2009. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach Nancy Fay. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. First and foremost, congratulations on not only the UAA championship, but certainly making the um, the NCAA championship tournament. Um, just that accomplishment and all, especially in what would turn out to be a pretty challenging UAA season this year, has got to be something you're thrilled about just in the beginning. Well, it came down to the last game against University of Chicago, um, and uh, it, it was a tournament uh, fever last Saturday, and uh, we, we were just really fortunate to uh, get the win and get the automatic bid, so we're very happy about that. Um, of course, Chicago ended up being a big factor, NYU, where you guys lost on the road to their place, et cetera. Um, all factors, but you were able to withstand that, and certainly a, a tough Chicago squad. You make the NCAA tournament. Did you think you had any chances of, of being able to host? Did I think we did? Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping. I mean, I think we hope all the time if you get an opportunity to play in your home court. Uh, we've we've done a lot of traveling in my years here, and I I've always uh, told players and people around the program wherever you want to send us, whatever we have to do, we'll, we'll go. So it's still played on a basketball court, but. I, I did feel like last year we had a number one seed, but it was a rotation. They went to the men's side, and uh, we had to travel, um, you know, up to Oshkosh. So I, I, I thought this year, I mean, these seniors, I, I, I guess I just felt like after these four years, they deserved uh, at least to have a round here, and I was really happy that we were able to do that. Um, of course, first time since 2009, you get a chance to host. That's got to be big for you guys to be able to take advantage of. I know you probably would love to take advantage of it, but you know it's been a while, as 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 that indicates, and and so it, it you kind of probably been itching to get this opportunity. No doubt. Uh, like I said, I think that sometimes you can get caught up of you know people like you, know, you can analyze who you're playing, where you're playing, and um, like I, I think that's something we've tried to just stay positive regardless of where, where, when. Um, we understand it's a tough job for the NCAA to, to figure this all out of uh, what's what's the best in all scenarios. So, um, but there's no doubt you know when you can keep your kids on your home court uh, that that's something we're looking forward to. Talking to Nancy Fay, head coach of the WashU Bears, the women's team, onto the NCAA tournament. And of course, uh, they will be hosting, as we point out, the opening weekend. Of course, uh, I should know this by heart but because I've been staring at it all day, but I don't have it in front of me. There we go. He'll be taking on Spalding, um, and then on the other side will be Transylvania versus Wittenberg. I know this is early on, and so I'm not expecting 
the uh, to you have the answers just yet, but what are your thoughts on the on the at least the first weekends of games that you guys have lined up? Well, I know that Spalding uh, has done a great job this year. They've, uh, I, I believe, they have a Division One transfer, um, and they've done. Uh, Coach has done a good job. We played them last year. I think we were down ten or twelve when we started the game, and uh, so we're looking forward to it. Um, you know, uh, with Wittenberg and Transylvania, I think we saw Transylvania a couple of years ago. Again, another well coached, and uh, I know Wittenberg won a really tough uh, games with, uh, I believe, DePaul and. Um, so I, I have a great deal of respect. I mean, I think this point, this point, you just you hope you can go out and, and play your best basketball and see what happens. Um, of course, on the other side, don't want to prognosticate too far down the road, but we do like to look at the bracket down the road. You know, you got a lineup there of a of a potential game against Thomas Moore on the 13th of March. Should you guys get that far? Certainly tough, but I have a feeling that this year the I, not a feeling. I it certainly looks like this year the women's bracket in general is going to be tough. There's going to be tough matches eventually. You're going to have to face off against them. And have you had thoughts of that if you get through these two games? Oh, I'm so unspalding right now. I, know. I, I, I you know I think that uh, I, I, I you, know, you have a great deal. I mean, with uh, you know the Thomas Moores, the there's a lot of undefeated teams out there. George Fox. I mean, I, it's uh, it's all going to be you know. I tell kids everybody's good. I mean, and that's exactly what you have to understand, and that's why it makes it fun. Um, of course, looking at um, the the fact that Chicago didn't make it, NYU, though, is in on the other side. Interesting developments in the UAA. Let me start with NYU. would love to get your take. This is a team that beat you uh, on the road at the Kohl Center. Of course, you returned the favor at your place. Um, what are your thoughts on NYU? Are they are they as dangerous a team as I certainly think they are? I think they're extremely dangerous, they, and I think it's they're balanced. They have a, you know great inside game, um, complemented you know with uh, um, a perimeter game. So you, it's kind of like you pick your poison and guess which one you know hope that you can pick the right one. One time we didn't, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the other time maybe we got lucky on it. So yeah, it, they're, they're they're I think they're hosting first round also. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, I just thought all the UAA, you know, throughout this, uh, you know, anybody we played this year seemed to, it was very competitive. So it just hopefully will help us in the postseason. Um, back to, or on to Chicago, missing out on the tournament uh, with a 17-7 and record. Um, are you surprised they didn't get in? You know, I, I understand it's a tough job with the NCAA, but I really did think they belonged in. They were on a 12-game winning streak. Uh, they tied. They were co-champs in the UAA. Uh, played an incredibly tough schedule, and um, I, you know, I, I, you don't want to question what people have to do. But um, I, after playing them, it was you know that game on uh, last Saturday could have gone either way. Extremely talented. Um, so I, I was disappointed to see that they they weren't included. Nancy, you guys should have just rolled over and let them win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think anybody rolls over at this time of year. No, so. absolutely not. You don't want to put it into somebody else's hands. Um, and what that's it, exactly what I said to the team. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what did you, when you look at, it, at the, maybe the story that is Chicago in the sense of not getting in, how hard is it when you schedule to balance putting a competitive schedule together that at least will turn some eyes in the sense of a strength of schedule while also putting something together you know we'll put in we'll rack up some w's that can also help you as well it is really really difficult and i think that's the hardest thing that coaches are experiencing right now because um you're, you're scheduling uh trying to get you know that strength of schedule up 
and sometimes it's regional. Um, you have to play regional. You know, I, for instance, we, you know, you have to play local. You can't travel just to do the strength of schedule, depending upon what part of the country you're on, you're in, uh, how many teams you can play. Um, and, and then one year you may be thinking you're scheduling somebody, and you know teams go up and down, and you think it's going to be, and it's not. I, I think it's probably the biggest uh, challenge we have as coaches now is how to figure that out. Um, talking to Nancy Fay here, uh, head coach of the WashU Bears. They'll be hosting Spalding coming up on Friday. And, of course, on the other side of that will be Transylvania versus Wittenberg, the winners to take uh, take each other on on Saturday. Of course, the men are also uh, on Thursday going to be at your place uh, hosting a single game. So a lot of busy basketball to take place uh, at WashU. But that's almost what you guys thrive on there is the two programs. <laughs> We're excited that the men are hosting, too. I have to admit, when it first came up, I'm like, oh, I was wondering if we were going to get to host. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I was glad that they were able to do that. Um, the men's and women's teams support each other. You know, mm-hmm. we get to travel with each other all, throughout the year. So it makes it special that they we get an opportunity to play a lot of basketball here the next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Before I let you go, back to NYU. will no longer grace the court of Kohl Center as they will be tearing that place down. Uh, and building something, you're going to have to go elsewhere, whether it be Baruch or somewhere else for a few years. Uh, will you miss the place? Will you have any fond memories of the place? <laughs> There's been some battles there, hasn't there? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm excited for them. I know that there, it's going to be a, quite a transition. We're going through one here also with adding in a facility. Um, so, yeah, there's there's some fond memories, but I, I, there's some memories I could also let go of, so that's okay. Maybe like the last game? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I didn't want to say that, but you're right. <laughs> but when I was at that game, obviously, it was a heck yeah. of a battle, and certainly they were revved up. It was two undefeateds at the time. What do you can, can you take uh, anything from games like that that you can use in the postseason now? I think that's what you, you know. With the, uh, I think every coach right now has a great deal of respect for their their conferences and their their comp- competition, and that's what I have. I think that. Um, I have such a deal of respect for the coaches in the UAA that it helps us prepare every time, and uh, so that when you get to this point, uh, that you know you're going to be challenged by other coaches and other teams. And I think that our conference prepares as well as I think a lot of conferences do for everybody else. So, just ready to roll. So we should just pencil you in for another national championship, I no, would assume. <laughs> Right now, again, it's folding, so uh, and, yeah. and that's where our focus is at. Sure, I can't wait. You'll get taped soon, as it were, uh-huh. um, and be able to start breaking that down. Well, congratulations on yet another terrific season at WashU and the chance to host, as we said, first time in five years. I know you're looking forward to being in your own bed for this weekend instead <laughs> of on the road, like you always do. As always, we give the final word though to the guest. Any final? Thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, appreciate uh, and it's going to be an exciting time for basketball, and uh, I know you guys do such a great job promoting. So uh, we'll, hopefully it's three weeks, and that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you in Grand Rapids, but obviously you got to get past Spalding on Friday first. That's exactly right. Thank you, Coach. Take care of yourself. We'll look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. Absolutely. Nancy Faye joining us here on Hoops. We'll appreciate her taking the time to do that. If you uh, have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll uh, go to McDaniel and talk to Becky Martin, head coach of the Green Terror, who got in as an at-large bid, maybe in the stead of Chicago or Whitworth. We'll talk to her about the team's reaction to that. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. And, of course, viewers like you will talk about that in a minute. Thank you, and we'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. 
ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry for the delay there. It's a little bit of a crazy day, as you can imagine. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, talking women's basketball, and one of the teams that is maybe a surprise to get in, and, and I'm pretty sure it was a surprise for them as well, was the McDaniel Green Terror out of the Centennial Conference in Westminster, Maryland. So we go to the Hoopsville hotline to bring in their head coach, Becky Martin. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. 
Uh, thank you very much. Um, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I uh, didn't expect to be speaking with you today, but uh, I'm glad that we are. Uh, I have a feeling that, uh, yeah, you probably are a little surprised to be speaking with me at the same time. I think things just got a little bit easy, huh? Well, I wouldn't say they got easy. They got uh, very frantic and very uh, hectic. Um, and a lot of uh, excitement uh, here on campus. So, uh, yes, you have, uh, you know, 12 young ladies that are grinning from ear to ear. Uh, it's one of those where uh, you see that uh, change in someone's faces. Uh, it was uh, quite, uh, you know, quite, quite a view. So we're, we're just elated to uh, have a shot at the, in the big dance. Um, I got to ask, did you have the team gathered around to, to watch the announcements, or were you guys so yeah. sure you weren't in and you didn't do it? We kind of went low-key. Uh, to be honest, uh, you know, uh, maybe I've been around a block a few times. I know how emotional this can be. And uh, after, uh, you know, the unfortunate loss uh, over the weekend and uh, to see where they were emotionally, I, I just didn't want them to have to sit through another uh, letdown. So it was kind of, you know, Anybody who wanted to come into my office, they were more than welcome to do so. <laughs> and I think what they did is uh, they were in different areas of the campus kind of by themselves. Um, but uh, from what I understand, uh, pretty much they all knew at the same time. They were all watching. They just kind of did it uh, within the confines of uh, their own private sure. <laughs> area. So. Um, you guys found out about a third of the way, eh, almost a, uh, almost halfway through. Uh, the the bracket um, as they announced you guys would be taking on Stockton on the road at uh, Salisbury but my my th my question to you is what was your reaction my reaction is uh, you know kind of jokingly uh, thank God and uh, just excitement for the the players and looking forward to heading to the eastern shore uh, uh, of Maryland so uh, we're you know we are, uh, again, elated and, and, you know, looking forward to uh, going after Stockton, who's uh, we haven't seen for a few years. But, uh, you know, as I said, we're just right now beaming from ear to ear about uh, the, the opportunity to, to be in the NCAA since it's been a few years. Uh, and, we, yeah, go and, ahead. and, again, we, I was just going to say, and, you know, there's not one person on my team that has uh, had the opportunity to live through this experience. And so they're in for a big treat and a big ride. Yes, they certainly are. My question would be, you didn't get out and do a little dance, do a little, little have a little fun with this at all? Well, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's happened. We did have some people come into my office, and they uh, shot some type of confetti things off in my office, which <laughs> if you can see my office, it, it's normally not in good shape to begin with. It still has stickers up from uh, the 500 wins, so... It, uh, it's looking pretty nasty. Yeah, I was going to so. say, uh, the, your your office has been ground zero for celebrations this year. Uh, they decorated the heck out of it. I believe, what was I heard, 500 Post-it notes uh, yes, left around the... Yeah, we still have about 300 sticking up on the, <laughs> on the walls, the green and gold. And now we have multiple colored confetti that's over the desk, on the floor. So I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, the festivities, it, it's great. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm not sure our, uh, you know, unfortunately our uh, maintenance and cleaning crew are going to be too happy housekeeping, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do to help them out. You mentioned, <laughs> you're, yeah, good luck. Uh, you're, you mentioned you're going to play Stockton, who you haven't seen in a while. Of course, the game's down at Salisbury. Um, any, any thoughts on Stockton without having looked at tape yet? 
No, to be honest, we're going in, you know, right now we're going in blind, and needless to say, what we're doing is uh, we're going to be gathering as much information as we can, breaking down films, looking at the matchups and statistics, and, you know, trying to get a better handle on their style and how it matches with ours, and, you know, come up with a game plan in the next couple game, uh, next couple days to see what we can do to, to come up with a win. When's the last time you were at Salisbury? <laughs> um, I don't think it's been in this century. <laughs> <laughs> It's been it's been a while. It, it, it's been a while. Now yes. hey, let's, let's put it this way: I can say I drive by Salisbury on my way to uh, you know vacation at uh, you know one of Maryland's gems, Ocean City, but uh, have not been to uh, Salisbury uh, University uh, in quite a few years. Well, technically, if you're if you're driving by the campus, we need to give you new directions to Ocean City. There's a lovely bypass um, <laughs> from Route 50. Um, Curiosity, you know, you and I talked a couple weeks ago when I was at McDaniel, and and you thought the loss, and I did too, the loss to Hopkins was really putting you in a spot. You had to win the AQ to get in. Of course, you guys had what I heard was a thrilling game, uh, atmosphere-wise, against uh, Muhlenberg for the Centennial Conference. Uh, I think other people had confidence you would get in. Um, Did you change your thoughts on it, or were you and I, our conversation post-Hopkins the same all the way through until today? I think uh, mine were, uh, you know, mine were more of the conservative of uh, I want the cup to be half full, but uh, it may be half empty um, because we knew that loss was, you know, a a crucial loss. You know, we we knew we were capable of of playing with the best teams, and, and we've had a great year. Um, but that was one of those where, uh, you know, we didn't play well. They did. And, you know, it's tough as uh, all the teams at the top know when, you know, when you're running on a 10-game or a 13-game winning streak or, or whatever, you know, trying to, to play up every game is, is difficult. And uh, we, we thought that was going to be our Achilles heel that, um, you know, there would be no, no grace after that. Uh, but uh, we're just elated that the committee saw it differently. Uh, certainly uh, saw it differently. Uh, I still think you probably had a bigger reaction than you you claimed this subdued one when you finally got a when you finally saw yeah, your name. There was pop a little up. bit of a scream. Okay, there was a okay. little there was a little bit of uh, vocalization that came out. Uh, you know, we had a few people in the office, and 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 uh, trust me, when I saw that, um, I was not able to contain myself uh, without uh, you know <clears throat> a little bit of uh, jubilation there verbally. Certainly. Um, uh, by the way, Luke Stilson says it was 1998 the last time uh, you took a trip to Salisbury, um, about the time that they were just just trying to get you on the other side of the shore, Coach. Um, get a few games. So technically this would be out of region for you. <laughs> yeah, across the bridge. Yeah. yeah. Over the river and through the woods, so to speak. No. No, we're again. Uh, Salisbury's done a phenomenal job, uh, you know, the last couple years, and uh, you know, we're looking forward to you know to uh, them hosting us uh, for uh, the weekend, and uh, we'd like to stay as long as possible, um, and uh, you know, be playing at the second uh, in the championship game. Uh, but uh, you know, I, again, this is still kind of a, a shock. Uh, I you know, emotionally kind of set myself up for you know, how do we? Get the kids ready, uh, you know, for any other type of postseason. You know, if the NCAA uh, isn't in the cards, so uh, I get to change my I get to change my tactics and my speech. Oh, that's true. Get to freshen some things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, they're be smiling from from ear from ear to ear. 
uh, when uh, when we get together as a group. They're all starting to come in now. We're going to meet uh, in a few minutes. And uh, they said now it's uh, all the fun about, uh, you know, this is what your life's going to be for the next uh, couple days. Uh, they might have more confetti bombs. You might want to watch out. I'm just saying, uh, got, they've got a bad uh, habit with your office. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, my office, well, when, when you've been around as long as I have, it, it has a tendency to collect, collect things. And I say collect treasures. <laughs> um, but the, right now, there's a lot of treasure on the floor and on my desk. Uh, um, one more question before we let you, well, a couple more questions quickly. But um, the first one would be, um, you look at how you scheduled this year, and I think you knew going in it wasn't the strongest schedule you could put together, but does an experience like this maybe change your tactics down the road to try and hedge your bets just a little bit more? Well, you know, part of it is uh, when you when you go from winning a conference championship, going to the NCAAs, and then, uh, you know, totally rebuilding, you know, the first thing you're trying to do is, you know, get a, a schedule where, you know, helps you build, gain some confidence. And, and last year we turned the corner and, uh, you know, we had already, you know, had some things in line for the schedule. So you're kind of hedging your bets. You know, you still want to make sure you don't know exactly uh, what your recruiting class is going to be like. You know that uh, you've made progress. You know, have you made enough progress? And uh, you, you still want uh, to have a viable, uh, you know, a viable schedule where you think you, you can be successful. So, um, and then ultimately, uh, you know, it, it's not that you're not going for the, you know, the automatic, you're going for the automatic qualifier. If you get the at-large, that's always been the gift, but, uh, um, you know, certainly lesson learned because this was one where you're really sweating it out. Um, and we're, we're going to try to, uh, strengthen the schedule up a, a little bit next year, but sometimes it's, you know, you do what you can and. You know, you don't know what everybody's going to have next year. And I'm not going to name names, but we have, you know, a, a team on our schedule that's been a traditional opponent who just didn't have a, a great year this year, and they've been strong. You, you, you can't foresee that, um, you know, when you're when you're doing schedules. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm certainly, uh, you know, elated that uh, given the circumstances, uh, you know, we're, we're still going to the big dance and, uh you know, hopefully we can rectify that next year with, uh, you know, with our schedule and, you know, put a few more uh, schools in there that, you know, you think may be, uh, you know, maybe a little stronger. But, you know, if they know for sure, good for them because uh, they, they've got the crystal ball. And that's one thing that's <laughs> missing in my office is the crystal ball. It's buried under the confetti, Coach. <laughs> and the post-it notes well hey thank you so much for coming on the show i appreciate it congratulations uh as one person pointed out the last time you went to salisbury they were still called salisbury state You're, you are correct <laughs> you are correct so so what are you trying to indicate that i've been around a long time and i'm old no because i've been around that long too coach uh okay. i know them when they were salisbury state as well <laughs> as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in Again, uh, you know, McDaniels is elated to be a part of the big dance, and uh, any Green Terror fans, uh, hoping uh, for your support down at uh, down at Salisbury. That was one of the things that uh, hosting our own conference championship. Mm. We got so many, uh, you know, uh, great compliments about the uh, championship atmosphere atmosphere here with uh, with our uh, our fans. So, again, thanks to all the support this year, and uh, we're looking forward to, you know, going as long as we can. You know, one more game, one more game, one more game. Exactly. Well, good luck, and we'll look forward to seeing how you do. 
All right. Thank you very much. Take care. Have a great evening. All righty. Bye-bye. Take care. Becky Martin joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. We appreciate her taking the time to do so. Um, by the way, the, what I got told was that the Centennial Conference Championship, the men's team, showed up at the championship game in retro basketball jerseys to support the women's team. you got to love that. Terrific effort by everybody. Uh, certainly happy to see them in. Uh, didn't think it would happen. I'll be flat out honest. Did not see that coming. But they are there, and congratulations to them. Going to take another break. When we come back, Jeff Burns, the athletics director at Randolph-Macon and men's basketball committee chair, will join us here on the show. If you got questions for him or ourselves, you can tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division Three school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division Three in athletics, you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. I'm your host, DeJour. Of course, I'm always the host. Dave McHugh here from our Hoopsville studio. It's been a long weekend, obviously, as we've been getting ready for the selection uh, shows that took place earlier today on the men's and women's sides. Of course, at-large teams took place 
uh, last night, um, or at least those selections were made and the brackets were announced today with those at-large bids. If you have questions for us or our next guest, you can tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Um, you can join us on Twitter, and that's it, at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Facebook, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us. Um, oh, that's email. See, I'm already getting confused. Email is Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, and Facebook is Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Did you get it all? If you missed it, don't worry. There's that little scrolling thing at the bottom of the screen. You can see what you're doing. Now, Dave Martin did not suit up for us. He was in a warm-up suit. But Jeff Burns apparently has suited up for the show because we know he did it for the show. Um, but the men's basketball committee chair will now join us here on Hoopsville via Skype. Sir, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, only the best for D3 Hoops, Dave. I appreciate you guys having us on. Well, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, it's uh, it's very much appreciative. Um, certainly, uh, it's nice to get questions answered. Uh, I saw your bracket first, nice and early this morning, um, and I was blown away by a couple of things. One, that you guys did not spend all night working on this, as you told me. Um, but also, it seems like you may have kind of changed the structure. Let me get into that first, if you don't mind. You guys kind of took a page and decided to start tackling this sooner. Uh, you had said to me that you had hoped to look at things out a few weeks in advance, and I assumed you would. But I didn't realize you really were going to take a full-on effort to start kind of looking at bracketing ahead of time, looking at who you might be bringing in ahead of time to make the process on Sunday a little bit smoother. Yeah, Sunday's a, a tough evening. And I heard Dave Martin talk about uh, what they did. And you know, I've been through it now a couple times. And you'd ask me back at the convention some things that we might change. And it just made sense to do as much work as we could uh, – as early as possible so that we were fresh and I think sometimes when you when you go through six hours of, of arguing over who should get in and when you get to the bracketing piece which is another big piece of what we're doing sometimes you, the exhaustion takes over and you miss certain things so in an effort to uh, to try not to miss anything to, to try to get it as right as humanly possible uh, we started out probably two and a half weeks ago just talking about seeds talking about possible hosts seeing who would be in consideration as time went on and you know, like any year, you get upsets at the at the end that, that change some things and the numbers change and win-loss changes. And so we, we made changes. I probably did 20 brackets uh, just kicking it around. A couple of us on the committee are, are, are kind of into fooling around with that kind of stuff. So some of it was fun. A lot of it uh, paid off in the long run because I think it made our uh, Sunday a little bit easier. How much, I'm uh, kind of curious, I meant to ask Dave Martin this, but it wasn't as prevalent, but how much? How many changes did you guys have to make to regional rankings before you even got started on things? And I mean that in the sense that, obviously, you get a regional ranking from your committees, you might want to make changes to that, and then another set of results versus regionally ranked opponents becomes a factor, and then you can make changes from that. Did you guys make a lot of changes, or did you guys kind of stay pat? Or how did, it, how did that all transition? Yeah, that's a great question, because... Uh phone call Sunday morning with the uh, RAC committees um, and sometimes the RACs get a little frustrated when the national committee makes some changes and when you get towards the very end you, you kind of have taught each other a little bit as you're going along and you feel like in the end the RAC has a good feeling for what the national committee what our struggles are uh, having eight regions across the country so this year on that Sunday morning call I think the uh, South met at maybe 8 a.m. 9 a.m. we did two things we came up with what we thought were the numbers uh, showing for us that day and then we had a couple games still in play, and we did some what-if categories. So what it allowed the National Committee to do was to look at both rankings to let the day play out itself a little bit. But we were able to actually start looking at teams uh, around 11 o'clock in, uh, in the morning, the teams that might be put in, teams that might be hosts. Uh, so really what it did is it, it cut a lot of our day. It started it much earlier. Um, we took a break at 1 o'clock. We came back around 3.30. 
uh, we wrapped up around 9.30 or so, got back uh, the next morning, had a look at it again, a little bit more awake, feeling a little bit better about ourselves, and <laughs> felt like it worked out pretty well for us. I was going to say, anything, I mean, everything in hindsight can be changed, uh, and I'm sure you could go through this a hundred different ways and change anything. What was the most challenging part of this bracket that you guys had that you had to tackle? Well, you, you know as well as anyone, it's it's the mileage restriction and trying to create a national tournament uh, with a mileage restriction. There was a couple things that were important to us. Um, you know, I, I've been along three years now, so I've, I've heard the criticisms in the past and I've, I've listened to the feedback. And, you know, I, I've said this from day one as the committee chair, you know, I'm not a men's basketball coach, I'm an administrator. Um, but I'm, I'm listening and I'm, I'm trying to do what's the right thing for everybody. We've got a great group of people who sit around and you know, we had 15 brackets put together at some point. We spent maybe an hour on one line for different meetings. Um, challenges is that mileage, who gets in, uh, when they get in and where they are. How can you set up a situation where you can have some diversity in the, in the tournament and still honor the 500 miles? How do you limit the number of flights? Uh, a lot of fun and sometimes you get yourself caught a little bit and we just scrap the entire thing and and try it again. I think for us, the big the big thing for us was really working on those seeds and kind of having anchors in the brackets, uh, and then trying to work around some of those brackets. And some of them, you know, we struggled a little bit ourselves. Um, we struggled with the Augustana uh, line. They certainly deserve the buy. And we've got um, DePaul and Wash St. St. Louis uh, playing each other. And we spent maybe an hour, hour 15 minutes trying to figure out what else we could do. And, and in the end, we've got some great matchups and some are in a round of 32. Uh, there's a couple great matchups in the first weekend. We've got some divisions, uh, some regions across the way playing. I think we've got the William Patterson has four different regions represented, if I remember correctly. Uh, so it's an interesting, interesting bracket. I hope that uh, uh, the people who look at these things and enjoy it do enjoy it. But then again, it's it's game time. So ball's going to go up pretty soon, and we're going to run through this thing. Pat Coleman is on the phone. I don't know if, uh, how much he's been able to hear, but Pat, do you have a question before I start rattling off? Because I could keep talking with Jeff. Jeff and I talk all the time. <laughs> no, um, but I, I do hear uh, this interview much better, Dave, so thanks for that. Um, you know, um, I, I guess one of the questions I had, Jeff, and first of all, uh, like Dave said, thanks for joining us. Um, the, uh, the thought I had was when you come back and look at it in the morning with that fresh set of eyes, which is, you know, crucial, obviously, um, you know, how many changes do you end up making? And are they, you know, this is cosmetic and we're changing teams around from one line to the other or trying to look, re, you know, look fresh at a pod and see if there's a way you can make it more diverse? Or what are the kind of things that you tend to come back to when you're doing those redos at the end? Yeah, the exact same things that you're talking about. We Sometimes you miss who has played each other before. Uh, you think that you know it. You're pretty certain. So you go back when you – when you, when you break that nine o'clock, I think what everybody did was go back and go back to their regions to try to figure out, hey, are, are we avoiding as often as possible anybody that's played each other? Hey, are there any other matchups that we can move a person, say somebody out of the east and swing them down? And, you know, not, you know, Randolph Macon has driven the, the 499 miles. I, I know what that trip's like. Um, last year, I had an opportunity yeah. to have uh, Springfield come down. It was 461. They played at Randolph Macon. And Charlie talked about the, uh, the national tournament and how, in a sense, that was a part of it, to be able to get on that bus and travel. So we weren't afraid to use it liberally. We took a look at it. I worry a little bit when you have a bracket in front of you and you start making changes that you, you, the next day that you, you may forget something that's right in front of your face. And you guys did this last night. You, you look at so much stuff. Uh, you're staring at it. And my biggest fear was uh, making sure that we didn't miss something that was right there obvious. Well, I, I definitely have the same – I definitely have the same thing. I, I was – 
I was glad to hear you talk about the busing, and I know that you guys have done that. Um, you know, the men's basketball committee has been very, uh, very proactive in that, and Randolph Macon's been a beneficiary, perhaps. <laughs> let's say. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna. I'm, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna harken back to the football uh, conversation. The conversations with the football committee. The football committee this year. Uh, felt like they had a mandate or at least a strong suggestion from the central office that they wanted to keep teams closer to home, that even though you could bus someone 499 miles, if there was a way to bus them 125, that was really the way they should go. Did anybody ever talk to the men's basketball committee about that sort of thing this year? Yeah, I'm not aware of it. Uh, we, we made it pretty clear early on what we were hoping to do with this tournament. Um, you know, we meet after the tournament. We try to evaluate what we did the year before and and the diversity that Dave talked about earlier um, was something that we were striving to do. Uh, I'm not looking to drive, have a team drive past two or three host sites uh, to another one. If, if there's an opportunity for us not to do that, we looked at it. But you start looking at so many things. Uh, who has played whom before, whether the women in, in the first week have a host site, uh, whether everybody's put in a bid to host, and sometimes they put in bids for the weekend and may not put it in for single games. By the time you get everything, you, you finally get it down, you're looking at the matchups and are, do you think that they're good matchups? And um, didn't have anything from the NCAA and, and that, you know, the biggest thing is the flights. And, you know, we're, as the women are, we are at two flights and with a little luck, we, we may not have that many more with some, some upsets and results. It, it may go the other way. We spent several hours trying to figure out how to predict out, which is kind of silly in this business, but to predict out what might happen. And uh, a lot of this is set up on, um, on percentages. You know, you, you set up a bracket and there are some slight changes that you could do. There's some things that you might be able to do, but some of it's percentages and trying to figure out how you can get teams through without the flights. And, you know, I think the NCAA, to their credit for, for the men's basketball, um, they saw where we had, a, we thought, a great bracket. They saw where we have an opportunity to cut flights early, and we're hoping that um, if things break the right way, maybe they won't, won't cost us flights later. But they weren't willing to say no. They, they liked the bracket. They were willing to support it. And in the end, when we got up in the morning, we had the bracket that we – kind of went to bed with. We made one or two changes of some swings that we thought would add to the tournament a little bit, um, but not but not too, too much. Um, one of the things you had said to me in the in the lead up to this, and you even said something to, to me in Salem last year, was, you know, we, we talk about matchups that we've seen a lot of, and we try not to see a lot of those again. You had told me that you were certainly going to look back at, at matchups from the years past, especially in areas where we see uh, a lot of common games, and be the Central Northeast example. How much did you guys look back? How much influence did it have? Uh, we went back four years, and we've got uh, Steve Ulrich, who, who kind of gets into this stuff. He was a chair last year, and, and I owe a lot of gratitude and thanks, Steve, uh, not just for the committee and what he does, but for allowing me the opportunity to chair this. Uh, we went back four years, and we were trying not to get the same old matchups. Uh, it's easy. I mean, in Texas, for instance, it's, it's sometimes easy just to have the Texas schools play the Texas schools. And we had an opportunity this year to at least get a little bit of different flavor down in that area. You know, they're frustrated by the fact that they're playing the people they've played all the time. We're frustrated by the fact that we're bound to the mileage, but we are. And, and that's their challenge. And, you know, they'll have a pod that one of them will come out of and get into the Sweet 16. Um, Steve did a great job with, with some of that stuff and uh, felt real good about all the committee and everything that they did. 
should point out you are the athletics director at Randolph-Macon. Of course, when a head coach has his own school on the table, as it were, whether it be for an at-large or be for being uh, voted on, et cetera, they, they have to recuse themselves. I don't actually have never asked an administrator if that's their role, but furthermore, got a question on Twitter. It says, as chairs, what's the process for when your own school is considered for the buy? I'm just kind of curious how that does kind of evolve for you, especially considering your role. Yeah, you know, the, the bracket piece is probably not my strength, so it's easy for me to, to, to step back and not be a part of it. So really all that stuff was taken by the other people. I had absolutely no voice in that. Um, I knew that we would be up for the buy. Uh, the committee, I will, I'll tell you, I, if you're out there and you're a coach and you're listening to this, you need to get involved uh, with your rack and then try to get onto the national committee. Uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of interesting stuff going on. But you've got eight people there that I think have spent so much time early on going through all this stuff, getting to know each other. Um, me stepping off and not being a part of that process was, was not an issue and nothing that I was concerned about. Do you have to step uh, aside when Randolph-Macon is being considered or because as an administrator you don't have necessarily the same role, you don't have to necessarily recuse yourself when talking about rankings, for example? Yeah, our, our national committee, and when Randolph-Macon, if they're going to be spoken about, then I have to recuse myself. Um, We've got uh, Brian out at Buena Vista. Any time that we were going to talk about Buena Vista, Brian had to get off the call. Um, I'm not sure that's a, a good or a bad thing. I, I think to, to make sure that there's no bias going in, it's important. But when you spend as much time as we do really delving into all this stuff, and each of us have our strengths. Um, some people are just really into numbers. Some people are really into the brackets. Um, some people have just great recall on who's played. So. It's hard to lose somebody on the committee that has some great strengths, and uh, we try to get them back in at the first chance that we get. Talking to Jeff Burns, chair of the Men's Basketball Committee here as we are looking over the back bracket that came out earlier today. Pat, uh, any other question from you before I dive into another one? Yeah, actually, I, um, I, I found it interesting. I was going to ask you, uh, Jeff, you know, if there was a, a four-team pod anywhere in this bracket that – kind of exemplified the extra work that you guys put into doing this. And then you just said that you're not so involved with the bracketing. So <laughs> I don't know if this is the, the best question for you or not. But, you know, when, uh, for example, when we were mock bracketing last night, we really take to heart some of the things that you guys have said over the past couple of years. We would try to make each pot as diverse as the map would allow us to do and as, as diverse as we can do given some, given the, uh, you know, the relative seating and the relative strength of each uh, of the teams. So, you know, is there a pod of four that you guys put together that kind of uh, that kind of uh, measures that for you? Um, you know, I talked earlier about the, the Patterson pod. Uh, I think it's fascinating. And I know Virginia Wesleyan's traveling there and know that team uh, very, very well. I have a lot of respect for Coach Macedo and what he does. And I think when you've got four regions represented, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, thing. You know, we do a lot of uh, speculation across – uh, regions with the numbers and um, to actually see it play out it's going to be exciting we kind of take uh, on our bracket four teams uh, per bracket so there's probably 16 teams um, that we look at as maybe the anchors on each side and we, we started that way and, and sometimes you have people who played each other in that and you've got a you know we don't necessarily seed one two three and four but there, there is some information there that you could suggest that are certain ways and we try to make sure one is playing four if we can and, and two is three but there's so many other factors that come in. It's it's hard to keep it just that way, but that's what we'd like to do. Um, it got down to the point where I, I put a number on every line at one point and tried to match uh, regional rankings and, and, and lines and making sure we were doing that. In the end, I think it was uh, Steve who went through and, and added up 
uh, three different ways. We took a strength of schedule look at what the pods were. We took an RPI look at what the pods were. Um, we looked at regional rankings and tried to balance it as best we could, still have some diversity within it, um, still stay within the 500 miles and make sure that uh, we were going to get it accepted by the NCAA. Uh, I think we hit it great on some areas. On some areas, we got a little jammed up. And in the end, we've, uh, like coaches say, you got to play the game. So sometimes you're playing them a little earlier than maybe we would have preferred if we could have everything our own way. But uh, that's how it broke out. And uh, our group felt pretty good about it. I hope, uh, I hope the teams will feel good about it and, and get after it a little bit. Jeff, I think um, that we, uh, Dave and I, when we chatted over this bracket this morning, um, the well first of all we didn't disagree with any of the teams obviously uh and we were happy about that but um you know it was hard to really quibble about much of this so um it got down to the point where we were just kind of looking at cosmetics at the way the bracket is kind of laid out so for example the saint john fisher pod the way that it's um the way that it's just listed here makes it seem like amherst is the top seed in this pod and saint john fisher is just hosting for whatever reason, maybe for geography or something, but uh, that's not correct, right? St. John Fisher is the is the top team in this pod, um, correct? Well, they're the host for sure. And if you were going to argue between St. John's Fisher and Amherst, the, the St. John's, we really wanted to honor the, the teams in the regions that were the number one. Um, we need to be met halfway. I don't think that's going to be a steadfast rule that if you're the number one, you have to have it. But um, you know, Amherst is a very good team, very good program. We felt good whether either either team was going to have that, but. And cosmetics, the first time I heard it was this morning talking to Dave as we were prepping for a little bit of stuff. And, uh, you know, and looking at it, we could have flipped a couple of regions uh, to be more traditional to what the uh, Division One model does. Uh, we kind of had the four brackets uh, divided into four separate brackets. And then the top team on there may have been the strongest team uh, we considered at that time. But um, it's more cosmetic than anything else. So I've gone back over it after Dave's comment to try to look and see see if it made any sense. And we didn't spend a lot of time on, on, on that part of it. We spent much more time on just making sure the matchups were where we wanted to go. And as far as uh, you guys picking it and, and we picking it, um, that was good news. It was, uh, it was nice to see. I mean, there's a lot of good teams. Uh, I don't necessarily want to talk about the teams that were left out. Darn. I'd be happy to answer your questions. It's not for, not for me to bring it up in that regard. I, there's a lot of good teams. And I, I said early on that if you had different people, eight different people in this room, um, depending on what the leadership was and, and what the years before were and their experience. Uh, the big question is, is obviously strength of schedule and, and wins and losses. And each of my three years, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of held true that people are one way over the other. Um, but I think uh, in this committee this year, there was a lot more talk uh, to say, hey, what is that SOS number? Uh, what does it really mean? What are the layers? Um, let's get into it. And you know, the criteria, you guys know them as well as anybody, but there's, there's a lot of other things that we consider besides the, um, the wins versus ranked opponents and the strength of schedule and the, the winning percentage. We try to get into uh, your non-conference uh, schedule and, and what that SOS might be. We try to get into um, wins versus teams uh, with 15 uh, or more wins, wins 500, you know, significant wins on the road. This year, for the I would say the first time in my three, we, we were really as a committee struggling once we got to number 12 um, because it was just such a a different year in, in, in this in this country. There was a lot of losses taken. Um, I thought early on in the year there were a lot of losses, and uh, so we, we we had a little bit a uh, little bit more uh, problem getting into 15 or 16. And you know those last two, it's nice that you guys picked what you did and it, it matches what we do. But you know the, the truth is, it's tough. It's really tough at the very end. And 
I feel bad when we when we select one over the other because you know somebody's season has just ended right there. But um, spent a lot of time trying to get it right. Uh, talking to Jeff Burns, chair of the men's basketball committee, uh, I would agree with you. I think Pat and I ran into about the same point where we started running into a into the challenge of the bubble at, at right about twelve. Um, Pat, uh, if you got one more, I'll let you have it. And that way, I, I'll rattle off some uh, here the rest of the way. Okay. Um, you know the uh, the I think one that's gotten the most noise, but I think that Dave and I understand certainly very much why a team like Southern Vermont is left out. And, and you know I, I'm sure they were probably probably not even at the table when it's all said and done. But um, you know, is there a point where uh, someone who's got whatever they had, which was, I think, three losses against Division three opponents and a, and a sub-500 strength of schedule. What does it take for someone with a sub-500 strength of schedule to get in as an at-large? Do they have to go 27-1, and one, basically? Um, I don't want to say great question because that is the question everybody asks, and it, and it is, and I think it's going to change with depending on who the eight people in the room are. Um, if you look at who got in this year, I, I think we had a, a Catholic uh, get in mm-hmm. with a 505 strength of schedule. Um, three weeks ago, if you had told me that 505 was going to get in, I would tell you the history said it probably wasn't going to get in. This was a different yeah. year. We had a, a, a big gap between teams with uh, high strength of schedules uh, and teams. Uh, nobody in that 550, 560 range, and, and I don't want to be held to that number, but in years past, there was a lot more of a grouping in there so that the people at the 530, the 520s, um, you know, it, it was tough. And some of you may have known that in the, in the NCA, we've, we've worked with the statistical people to try to come up with something that kind of balances the uh, wins and losses with the strength of schedule. And we've come up with an equation. We've been told that 0.03 in the strength of schedule, at 0.03, you reach significance. Um, and we've equated uh, two games to that significance. Um, so when a team is at a 530 and other teams at a 560, uh, we equate two games there. So we try to we try to get those to be equal. If we can get them to where we think we're equal, then we get rid of them and we start working our way down the uh, down the list of other things that we can consider. Um, one of the things that jumps out at me was obviously Catholic getting in with that 505. Of course, at some point, the win-loss percentage is what we heard from Dave Martin, certainly, was, hey, at some point, the win-loss percentage has to take some precedent. But you're kind of in a tough spot there. You have a, a high win percentage with Catholic with a, an, an okay, uh, below subpar, let's say, low, below par, SOS versus, say, uh, a St. Norbert who's got a very good win-loss, but even further down SOS. At some point, one of them's got to trump the other, but it's, uh, I, I, I'm guessing on the flip side of that, it can't just flat-out be one or the other. It, it, they kind of do go hand-in-hand in, hand in some capacity. They do go hand-in-hand, hand and, and you guys know, you know the process. Um, we look at it early on, and we look at the teams that – now you, you mentioned a team with one loss. You know, winning games in Division Three men's basketball is tough. And the last thing you want to do is discount people winning games. Um, I hear it all the time from coaches. Do you know how hard it is to go on the road and win games? And and we don't. Our problem is you've got eight regions. We have very limited um, information, in a sense, from from certain regions to other regions. In other areas, we've we've got a ton of stuff. In the Northeast, obviously, we've got a ton of stuff that we can use and look at. So comparing it across is tough. We've we've tried to come up with this thing that that balances out a little bit. Um, had a chance to speak to Dave Martin about it a little bit and wanted to run by our theory with, with their their rankings and where they were, and we'll spend more time doing that. Um, it, it's tough. You know, winning games in the Division Three men's basketball is hard. We don't certainly don't want to discount it. 
But from my perspective, when you get to the point where you're, you're looking at eight teams left on the board and you don't have a lot of information between any of them, where do you go? And you know, we're lucky to have something called Team Sheets where we can look at where teams are playing uh, across the RPI, across the country. So I may not necessarily know what's going on in the West and compare it, but I've got in the top one through 50, I know what I did against the top one through 50, and I know what you did against the top one through 50. And then it breaks down from 51 to 100 and 101 on up to 150 and, until it ends. So that gives us a little bit of information that I'm not sure everybody can find and see. And, and sometimes when, you, when, you, when you're deciding, that, that's the piece that really, really helps us. So in a situation where you're talking about Catholic, you know, Catholic at 22 and four, uh, won, a, won a lot of games. And, you know, that last week or, or so, they stumbled a little bit. Um, they were on the board against people that had a little bit uh, better strength of schedule. But the truth was they weren't, it wasn't significant based on the statistical piece. Um, so that 22 wins and what they did against teams that were either ranked or above 500 or 15 plus wins. And, you know, the other thing we want to see is, is an away win. Um, you know, winning on the road is tough and the statistics will bear it out. So, man, you get into a lot of the weeds and sometimes you, you sit there as a committee for, for an hour and you, 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 you just want to vote. And uh, we don't. We, we try to wait that as the last thing. Um, you know, we, we'll joke that if the committee's listening out there, they'll know that that one guy kept talking about the same thing over. And he felt bad that he kept reiterating the same thing over and over again. But um, that's what you do from the region. You, you talk about your region, you support your region, and then at some point you got to be a professional, and, and that's what they did last night, and this is where it came out. Um, kind of a couple of uh, questions I wanted to ask regarding hosting and bracketing. Uh, first off, obviously the women hosting, we kind of got an idea that Wash U and St. Thomas would not be able to get that opportunity. Um, were there any other challenges that you guys faced in hosting? Anybody you wanted to send and, and couldn't because for some reason there wasn't uh, something done? It always seems to happen every year, so that's why I always ask it. I appreciate you asking, and I know you want uh, me to be up front, but the last thing I would do is – Oh, no, I'm not necessarily looking for someone to get thrown under a bus necessarily. I'm just saying, were there challenges that you guys had to deal with? Yeah, well, there were. And we, you know, you're working with the committee and the women's committee. We're, we do things a little bit differently. Um, we're waiting to hear what they're going to do. And Randolph-Macon, for one, um, upset in our quarterfinals uh, on the women's side. Uh, we were, you know, it would have been a women's host here. And you guys are, are kind to have Randolph-Macon at number one in the country. But the reality of it was we were going to be on the road had our women got the bid. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Wash U certainly, and um, you know, Wash U has been, been great. We, we reached out to them and we wanted to be able to make something happen and uh, give them an opportunity to get that Thursday game. And from everything that I've seen and, and the way they're handling it, it's gonna be really well done. And, and in the end, that's the key for us, uh, having places that are gonna do a really good job and, and host and stuff like that. So uh, we had some challenges. Um, we worked through them, uh, lots of stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, Elisa Halpin is, is our NCA liaison. She's fantastic. Um, she cut through a lot of the stuff and, and was able to get us what we needed to make sure we got what we wanted. You've got um, Whitworth traveling to uh, Emory, and you've got Claremont Mud Scripps traveling to Texas. I don't think anybody was surprised that those teams were traveling those locations. I think some figured that Whitworth would be the one in Texas and Claremont might be the one who's uh, sitting in Emory. Any particular reason did flying uh, from Tacoma to Atlanta easier than uh, than trying to get into Dallas or anything like that. Yeah, we didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Uh, we may it, it may be um, you know we just liked the way it looked. Um, Emory <laughs> last year had the opportunity the way that everything broke out to, to get a buy. 
Uh, very good team. I think they went on to what, Sweet 16, if I remember. This was a year, and, and it's not always going to happen, that uh, we were able to get a four-team pod down there. Mm-hmm. So happy to be able to send some, uh, some other people. Whitworth going down there, I think, is going to be in a bracket that they're going to enjoy. Um, good teams, and you know, they'll get on the plane, they'll get there, and, and they'll have a good time. But didn't think much more of it beyond that, just like the matchups. Um, well, and similarly, I'm sorry, and similarly, Jeff, uh, you know, we, we, you mentioned earlier just the, the ability to put a pod in Texas where, um, you know, I think the, the Texas people have been pretty vocal in the past about not having great opportunities from the NCAA, um, maybe not so much in men's basketball, certainly in women's basketball. But so my question to you is kind of based on something that Dave Martin said in our conversation with him. Um, you know, these two brackets or these two pods were basically locked in. You, regardless of how you might shuffle Whitworth or Claremont, you knew that eight, these eight teams were going to be playing at these two sites. Did that make it easier or more difficult to set up the rest of the bracket, having those teams kind of locked into place? Yeah, it probably makes it easier, but it's also a little frustrating. Um, and it's just due to the limitations of what you got. But the truth is it, it, it does – take away eight lines that you don't really necessarily have to spend too much time thinking about it. Um, you know, the Texas schools, I, I feel for them. I'm the South chairman, so I, I hear their struggles, and we've talked at length about, you know, some of the things that they face. Um, I, it was important to me. I didn't know whether it would happen that we would try not to get them to be playing each other or at least be able to add. I mean, at one point we had two teams uh, possibly flying in there. Um, and, again, 15 brackets, I could probably come up with every scenario there is. But uh, as wins and losses uh, happened and, you know, Hendricks with, with an upset uh, run through their tournament uh, threw us a, a little bit of curveball. But we, we had our what if scenarios and, and that was all certainly a part of it. But, you know, we felt good about being able to, to, to have a 14 pod down at Emory. We felt good about being able to mix it up a little bit in Texas. Um, I'd like to think that the committee moving forward will uh, you know, continue to make efforts to, 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 to diversify it a little bit when they get the opportunity. When a team like Hendricks wins um, or Wesleyan wins the the NESCAC on Sunday afternoon, I picture kind of like a collective groan from you guys and virtually tearing up sheets and throwing stuff up in the air. Um, is you know when a when a six seed wins, we had two six seeds win on Sunday. Is that uh, is that one of the fifteen brackets that you've uh, prepped? You know, it didn't really it didn't really hurt us this time. Um, again, I think in a lot of it was we spent so much time, but a time. That happened. We really had the what ifs and the and the scenarios where if A won, this is where they may be, and if B won, this is where they're going to go. Um, but the fact that it's the Texas school, you know, that really limited us being but so creative. Um, so it wasn't so bad, but I could see, I can certainly see where if uh, if it happened a few more times across the area, it could have really thrown to, thrown some stuff off. And, and it, you're guessing on mileage. I mean, you're really we put a pinpoint map together. We probably started at the beginning of the year, and we put pins on every place that we thought we may have a team that's going to going to go and we put circles around every 500 miles and you know last night i would be honest with you we spent 20 25 minutes asking questions on mileage and i can't tell you how many times it was literally 500 miles and it stopped us from doing something we wanted to do you know randolph macon traveled and you guys know we went uh, 467 and went back 499.7 I tried to move yeah, our physical yeah. physical address to, to a little bit farther down the road, and it didn't happen. <laughs> but um, we had, I think, two occasions where we were almost right on the 500 mile um, 500 mile line. And the truth is, is one of our committee members found the trip to be 492, but we've got the NCA and the way they use their thing, and and that's what it was. And so that changed a little bit. So the frustration is really when you think you've got something really good and you just can't make it work, and then you get into a situation where 
all right, this is what we can make work. Let's do the best with what we got, and let's see if we can't get it, get it going a little bit. Um, before we wrap up, one of the big ones that jumped out was obviously the one that was first announced, WashU, on that Thursday game, playing DePaul, then traveling on to Augustana when you and I talked um, prior this morning. Uh, you talked about how that was kind of the one that you guys spent the most time on. Can you give us a little bit of insight as to what, what, what you guys were trying to accomplish or what was bothering you so much besides the obvious that it's WashU versus Augustana there for a potential second round, barring Bill Fenlon listening in and his DePaul Tigers pulling off the upset of WashU? Yeah, um, two years in a row where the, the first line out becomes controversial, so we uh, – <laughs> We had the other problem with, uh, you know, Randolph-Macon gets the buy on the other side, and I'm certainly the athletic director at Randolph-Macon, so whichever way we went on that, it probably wasn't going to be great. But, um, you know, WashU is a great ball great ball team. And um, Augustana, you know, they, they deserve not only the buy, but they probably deserve a, a little bit easier road if you're able to set that road up for them as, as maybe a number one seed in that top left side. Um, what, what bothered us is a couple years ago, I don't know if it was 09 or not, but I heard Dave mention it. Uh, he was a part of it, I guess, the, the death grouping. And, you know, it's just tough when, you're, when, when the mileage sets you up for great teams having to play each other early and not having a chance to move. So we really, uh, rightly or wrongly, tried to break up that group out in the, uh, the central area to, to, to make it a situation where, where we didn't have to play them all. And what we ended up doing is, I don't know if getting caught is the right term, but we ended up in a situation where we tried, we tried to move people all over the place to, to maybe have different matchups in that, in that uh, game going into the bye. Um, I hate to say it, but after about two hours and, and, and all these different chances and moving and asking for mileage, we got down to a point where we said, this is probably what we need to do. We know it's a great uh, match in the round of 32 uh, if it gets that way. Uh, you know, we've got the St. Thomas uh, bracket as well. You know, they're not able to host because of the – because of the women's issue, and um, they're going to St. Norbert. And if those two teams happen to advance, um, you know, from a power rating, I think you guys at D3 Hoops have them as maybe the third and sixth team in the country. Um, not something that we necessarily pay a ton of attention to, but it's something that basketball fans know about, and we didn't want to create situations that, that we didn't have to. But kind of felt in those two, um, we had to go with it, and we made the choice to go, and, and the rest of it was probably came together a little bit easier. Well, Jeff, I think this is the year where uh, you can get away with something like that. There's so much, uh, there have been you know, all those upsets that you uh, mentioned earlier that uh, I think we would pretty much just accept anything and say, well, you know, that's just the way the basketball is this year, right? Yeah, may have gotten lucky um, with, with some of that in some regard. It's, it, I just want you to know that we, we thought about it. Uh, it's not that we, you know, we listen, we talk about it. Um, this was a different year. I'm surprised. If, if, if you talked to me prior, uh, I would have told you I would have thought it had gone a little bit differently. Um, you know, strength of schedule is the, is the big discussion, uh, not only in men's basketball, but in all the sports. And, uh, you know, at the NCA, when I went out for our meetings, they, they talked about the criteria and they said that, you know, there, there's no, no priority order, but you know, each committee has the ability to, to maybe choose one over the others if it's something that they believe in. And I think that's going to change with the makeup of the, of the, of the eight people that will be on this committee. Uh, I'll step off at the, in September, I believe, and there will be a new chairman and maybe some new direction. But um, this year, a lot of losses, a, a lot of parity across. And I think, Dave, you may have, on some of your D3 Hoop stuff, had talked about how hard it was for you to do a, to do a ballot because of, of really good teams being beaten by teams that, that on paper didn't look good. Um, 
there were some tough losses, and we looked at all those things. But, yeah, this might have been a year that, that, that kind of worked that way for us. Uh, wrapping up here with Jeff Burns, uh, National Committee Chair, Athletics Director at Randolph-Macon for the Men's Basketball Committee Chair, we should point out. Um, bracket has been set. 62 teams will move on to Salem in the championship weekend. Um, anything in this bracket that you kind of look at and with a smile or, or something that just says, yeah, I kind of like how that came together or I like what we did there or anything that jumps out at you that you kind of was the point of the mission, as it were? Well, you know, the mission was important. I'm not sure I'm going to point to anything that I really feel good about because, to be honest, we're trying to, to make the whole thing come out. And uh-huh. everybody kept asking me, how would you feel about the bracket? And I'd write back, I felt great about 95% of it. Um, and when I say 95, I, I feel good about the bracket. I think that we spent so much time trying to, to, to keep the things, uh, you know, balance, balance of strength um, I thought was important. I thought the diversity when we could find it was important. Um, we wanted to honor the, the, the number one teams in the region. So we kind of had our tenants. We tried to hang on to them as long as we could until we, we kind of got stuck with, with some of the parameters. But um, I feel good about the bracket. Feedback's been very, very good. Um, but in the end, and I think Dave, and I listened to Dave, uh, he said it, you know, games, it, coaches are ready to get playing. And uh, we've had our calls. We've got our host stuff going. Um, I'm hoping that the people taking care of all the people traveling do a great job. And you know, we got some weather issues possibly coming up. So We've got challenges, but uh, from a bracket standpoint, I uh, really like how the committee tried to stay on, on task with, with the things that we thought were important. Pat, anything else before we let Dave go? No, I think we're good. Done a great job. I think you just said you were going to let yourself go, though. Ah, that's a fair point. I did. It's been a long couple of days myself before we he, let. Go ahead. compared me to Dave Martin. Um, I'm not sure that's a very good one. I, I can't live up to Dave's, uh, <laughs> Dave's shoes. I, I've seen him... Uh, you know, it's great that he's been involved with the men's side, and we had a fascinating conversation between the, between the two and learned a lot just talking to him, so I uh, appreciate it. Well, thank you, sir, for coming on. i got nothing else. I mean, I've got a lot of notes, but uh, nothing of, of significance. I appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about this. Certainly fascinating bracket, and really, I think you have, as I said, I think probably on the show, the NCAA show, you're going to have tough matchups across the board here no matter what just because it's that kind of year. So, um, as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, uh, more to the coaches that are out there. Um, you know, our committee tried to, to listen to you. We talked to the NABC. Um, we heard you talking about uh, wins and strength of schedule. Get involved. Try to get involved in this process. Um, couldn't have enjoyed representing it more. I'm looking forward to being at the Final Four in Salem and heading out to Indianapolis for the D1 and meeting with the coaches and uh as you know, Dave, I'm, I'm open for, for conversations. So if uh, anybody wants to send something to me, I'd, I'd love to be able to talk about it. And you may not agree with us in the end, but I want you to know how we got there, and, and that's real important. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, sir. Take care of yourself, and I'm sure uh, I know we'll run into each other sooner rather than later. It just depends on where our travels take us. But uh, enjoy the tournament, and we'll see you at least in Salem. All right, man. Thank you very much. Take care. Jeff Burns joining us here on the Hoopsville Skype. Going to take a quick break. Pat and I come back and wrap things up. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, and, of course, the viewers like you will be back with more Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. 
Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, 
Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. College Basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Took a little bit of a prolonged break. You would think I would have gotten up from my chair to do something in that prolonged break, but I didn't. I've still been sitting here suited up uh, on Hoopsville. Uh, I will get up eventually. I've had a bite to eat next to me that I've been nibbling on all day, but uh, eventually we're going to have to eat and drink. But we like answering your questions as well, so we're still plugging away at that. Um, but I'm probably going to tap into an IV at some point later tonight. If you've got any questions for us, uh, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Got an email as I bring Pat Coleman in that I knew was coming. I just hadn't seen it yet. Uh, it is the Albertus question. How did Albertus not get a home bid with their record and rankings? Well, let's start for the first thing, and the rankings means nothing. They're referring to the top 25. Second of all, the record is something, but unfortunately the SOS being around a 475 had them regionally ranked pretty low, and, and Pat, that's part of the equation the other equation is they don't have the facilities technically to pull this off that being said Babson uh, has had to get creative as well uh, you know Dave this is another one of those questions that I would advocate us just not even answering on the air um, the fact is yeah the regional rankings that the NCA uses are not necessarily using the same criteria that we do and, and that's just the way it is I think that we do a good job of telling you who's going to win in the NCA tournament and the regional rankings tell you a good job of who's going to play where and yeah. that's, that's almost all that needs to be said. 
Um, and for Alberta, uh, the the added yeah that added bonus of the fact that they can't put four teams in that gymnasium if there's ever an opportunity for them to play uh, a Thursday uh, game and then uh, go play a, a team that had a bye. That's the best. Uh, that's the best slash only scenario for Alberta to host in this current uh, structure. Yeah, and unfortunately, it just didn't happen. I know that we get that question. I just hadn't had it yet, so I figured it was. It was worth at I, least one dive into it. I liked uh, I liked the bracket that Ryan Scott and I set up last night. Uh, we had uh, Albertus Magnus. I'm pretty sure I can do this from memory uh, against Calvin at St. John Fisher, um, and then one more Catholic school. I think was Regis of Massachusetts. I think that was our fourth uh, our fourth team. There's we had three Catholic schools and a. Um, oh, I'm gonna. I'm going to just show right now that I don't remember my comparative religion courses to, uh, and I'm not going to misstate what, uh, what Calvin is. I don't want to do that. Um, something post reformation and I'm, and I'm out after that. But, um, uh, that was the one thing that I thought was, uh, that I didn't see as much of in this bracket from the men's is there were some opportunities for some great irony matchups. And I've <laughs> always, I've long thought that irony is a criteria when it comes to matching teams up. And I didn't, uh, unless I'm missing something, maybe there's some, maybe there's some great ironies here. I haven't gotten to, uh, I'm, I'm not sure we have as much of that. There was certainly opportunity, but, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is that you can be creative and you can swap teams around. And does it matter if Calvin is at the, where were they at the Mount union pod or the Marietta pod? Mm -hmm. They're at the Mount union pod. Mount union. I mean, that's a, that's a shorter trip. They're capable of going to St. John Fisher. Um, I think maybe they might have had to go through Canada to do it, but the NCA software says you can go. So I think you should go. That was um, my take on that. Question in Augustana. Got to buy how many team? How many other teams will Augustana host in the first round? This is just a logistical question. Can Augie potentially host every round in, if they continue to win till Final Four? They will just yeah. host the Saturday game, so they'll just take on the winner of Wash U versus DePaul on Saturday. No technical first-round hosting for Augustana. Though I will, I will tell you this much: when we talk about changes to the bracketing and the announcements and and cost-saving measures in in Division Three, one of the things they've discussed is having a three D three D three day grace period between announcements and the first game. Right now, Monday to Thursday is not in that grace period because they they don't want a team to send you know, and basically it'd have to be an announcement on Sunday for you to play on Thursday or even to be honest to travel they're going to be heading out Wednesday so that still doesn't work. So let's say we ratchet this and move the the buy game to Friday. That the the one idea there would be that the buy team would host that game, but doesn't happen now. I just wanted to take advantage of that opportunity to say that that could be coming in our future. As for Augie hosting. Uh, every round, if they continue to go all the way to the Final Four, uh, it's going to come down to two things. One, how do St. Thomas and Augie compare numbers-wise if they're both in the running? Um, and 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 are they even on the same bracket? I'm starting no, to No, they're that not without. on the same side. Okay, so yeah, never mind. Yeah, no. So it's going to come down to, well, I think Augie on their side is probably the, the stronger candidate out of Mount Union. Whitewater, we already know that answer because they've been regionally ranked ahead of Whitewater anyway and Marietta. Now, the only trick will be is if there is a curveball and some well, upset in their let, let's say Oswego State <laughs> and it I happened say, last year I'd say even this Dave I think the way the map is set up for this is if those Ohio teams advance uh, they can get to Whitewater but they I don't think they can get to Augustana so it might be a, a case where Whitewater is the central location uh, and gets to <clears throat> and gets to host rather than Augustana. Um, frankly, if I'm an Augustana fan, this is not set up really well for Augustana. Uh, you're going to be a team that's coming off of a bye um, by yeah, teams Mount in Union the past, cannot, Mount Union cannot get to Augustana. 
Right. Yeah. So, uh, but by teams have generally not looked great on Saturday. They've often won those games, but they haven't always looked good doing it. Um, Augustana is, especially if WashU wins on Thursday and then makes a relatively short trip to Augustana, Augustana is in trouble. Um, that is a, that's a situation I would not want to be Augustana. This first round bye does not help Augustana. Um, you know, way back years ago when you had the old open with quotes from our some of our 2005 <laughs> shows or something, you want to play that first round game. Yeah, exactly. Because you got to have, you know, you want to have your feet underneath you a little bit. It's not like Augustana is not necessarily tournament tested as a program, but, you know, uh, these are guys, uh, you know, um, if I'm remembering correctly, the the guys who made that run in 2011, obviously they're definitely gone. Um, this was a relatively younger squad coming into the season. The guys who would all return to starters, but you know, you you want to. I think you it, they would have rather had. I think a first round game against somebody that they're expected to drill basically mm-hmm. rather than a first round buy. I don't think the first round buy helps Augustana here at all. And we should point out having looked at the mileage Marietta's over 600 uh, Mount Union is 550. So yeah, this would conceivably go to Whitewater yeah. and again yep. another curveball in there. So there's a good chance Augustana is not hosting next weekend barring there's some upset that allows it to happen, but I don't see anything off the top of my head. Um, since there's so many Ohio schools in there. So Augustana may get the first round by Dave, and then not host. Let me throw you something real drama curveball y here. Uh Mountain Union's not, you know, not the strongest number one seed in the land, right? Or number one regionally ranked team in the land. Yeah. Uh, you know, what if Calvin beats them? Calvin beats us, we go, Calvin beats them. Uh Calvin's a fairly central location with a nice gymnasium and the men have the priority to host in the second mm, weekend. That would give the excuse to send the women on the road and not give them exactly. the chance to go through. Interesting. Ex- exactly. You'd have and the and the women's committee would have an out also. It's yep. like, well, They'd I mean the men's committee out. wanted to put Calvin there and they needed to because yep. it was central location. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, good it point. Totally happened. Absolutely good point. Oh, the drama. Um, if you've got any questions, uh, make sure you uh, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, what the, was the other question I had? I had a whole bunch of them on my email that I would called up, and of course, uh, just now getting around to them. Um, do you guys speak on Albertus? Just curious, your thoughts of where they landed in general. Uh, I like where they landed, to be honest with you. I think that's a great game for Albertus Magnus to maybe kind of show who they are. Um, you know, we've talked about their their season last year. They beat, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, WPI in the first round? Uh, it was WPI and Purchase in some yeah. order, yeah. Yep, WPI, well, Purchase was the host. So it was WPI in the first round and, and Purchase in the second, then ran into a buzzsaw that was Williams. Uh, I like that game against Springfield. I like the fact that they're going to be down at Dickinson with a chance of playing at Dickinson yeah. uh, unless Regis pulls off an upset there. Uh, I think that's a terrific road for Albertus. On the other side, they've got most likely William Patterson and or Virginia Wesley and John Carroll coming out of there. I think it's a nice – I think that's a good tester for Albertus Magnus before they potentially – let's say they kept on winning – potentially would run into Randolph-Macon with a chance to go to Salem. I'm not saying that that's easy. It's not hard. Um, I think it's a good test. I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I think this is a fairly evenly matched uh, game. 
Um, you know, uh, if we were looking at the mock Northeast rankings that we put together last night, these are basically the teams that are sixth and seventh in the Northeast region. So if you're Albertus Magnus, I mean, you've got an opportunity to play a team that's uh, slightly ahead of you, a team that the NCAA thinks should beat you on a neutral floor, hundreds of miles from home. I think that's a good, uh, a good opportunity for Albertus. You don't want to play them on a, uh, on a floor in New England necessarily where uh, the fans might get into it. This is going to be as antiseptic a game as you can get basically um you know i don't know how many fans come down from new haven to carlisle pennsylvania or how many fans come down from springfield mass i suspect it'll be a, a fairly uh, sedate crowd of dickinson people waiting for the second game um so i, I think this is a, a really good opportunity for albertus uh you know the ncaa committee obviously uh looks at the numbers doesn't like the numbers that albertus has put up uh, the top 25 poll looks at what Albertus did last year, let's be honest with you, right? And they continue to float and float and float and float um, so that they've gotten into the, the top 10. And I don't know where they'll uh, end up in this afternoon's poll, but we'll find that out in a couple hours. But um, I really think that this is uh, an opportunity that Albertus really needs to take advantage of because while our pollsters think that Albertus is pretty good, the numbers don't necessarily show it, so this is your time to, uh, you know, put your money where your mouth is and go win that game if you're Albertus. Got a great question from uh, our friend on the post boards. Old Knight says, given the challenges you've experienced in keeping a rational top 25 ballot this season, <laughs> wouldn't it be unsurprising if you got a Final Four that included one team who wasn't listed in the last poll or even shut out of the uh, receiving categories? Honestly, we actually saw that back in 2013. Mary Harden Baylor, I don't even know if they were getting votes. I don't uh, think they had any votes. No, they in the final ballot. So, and and that was taking advantage of a crazy situation where they only had to play once a week. Granted, they had to travel, um, but they took advantage of it. Absolutely, I think there easily could be a dark horse coming out of the men's bracket to get to Salem. And I think a dark horse could even be a ranked top twenty-five team that just nobody really is putting a lot of um, of stock in. Um, I've said that all. I, geez, I probably have been saying that two thirds of this season that the that Salem could have one or two teams you just did not see coming, um, and who are just as good as everybody else, but because it's so hard to pin down who really are the top twenty five teams in the country. Absolutely, I I'm not going to be surprised by upsets this year in any way. Could DePaul beat Washu? Of course they could. Could Oswego beat Calvin? You never know. There's always well, a, yes, of course. <laughs> there's always that chance of it. Um, listen, you know, there's some games I think would you know maybe would blow my mind if on the women's side if Pine Manor beat Duffs, um, which I that was the question I forgot to ask by the way. But moving on, um, but could Wesleyan beat Skidmore? Yeah, did you see what Wesleyan did just to get in the NESCAC tournament and then go win the darn thing? Oh, yeah, Wesleyan's favorite against Skidmore. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just picking a game. You know, could they then go on and beat Hopkins? Well, again, yeah. they just or beat could, Amherst. Of course or, they could. So, move, yeah, move yeah. down one line. Could Endicott beat Stockton? Whew. Sure, absolutely. Oh, I, I don't see any reason those games aren't up in the air. And that's why I said I think this year maybe there's less cognition about second-round games because, jeez, name me somewhere where you don't see a tough second-round game. Name me a place where you couldn't. You know, Dickinson-Regis maybe doesn't jump out of you as a tough first-round game. But whoever Dickinson plays in the next game is probably going to be tough. I, it's going to be hard this year not to find a ton of second-round tough games that I think we aren't hearing a lot of people complain that WashU is playing Augustana because, well, someone had to play WashU and someone had to play Augustana, and everyone's good this year. 
Just so yeah, gotta, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, on a related note, we just got a question via Twitter. Did did we say who the pod of death was this year? I mean, obviously there's a it's lot a of rack, deadly pods. It's a because, tournament of death. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a tournament of extreme duress. How about that? There you go. No, I said that <laughs> where too. Everybody's, where everybody should be ranked between 10 and 28 or so, and maybe nobody in the top 10. But I guess if you had to pick a a foursome Ugh. or a threesome. I, I think it's that Augustana Wash U DePauw yeah, cup probably. Tri tripling trio there. Yeah, but even, um, I mean. Because they worked really hard to avoid it, and we worked really hard to avoid it too. So uh, clearly they know the same things that we do. Um, and yeah, you know, the ranking, the, the D3hoops.com top 25 ranking on that potential second round game is going to be ugly. That's not. Uh, that that's not something that we would normally like to see, but this year just kind of dictates well, craziness. And again, you got that uh, St. Thomas versus St. Norbert potential second round of a top 10 matchup, but let's right. I've, I've yep, said the committee it, again feels differently than we do. Well, but they also are aware of it uh, and, and realize that they, you know, honestly it's St. Thomas not being able to host kind of changes the bracket in, in some senses. St. Norbert could have gone somewhere else, but they needed someone to host. And so they have St. Norbert hosting. Um, yep. And that automatically means St. Thomas has to go somewhere. Well, St. Thomas is either going to go to Augustana, they're going to go to Whitewater, or they're going to go to St. Norbert. You pick your poison. Uh, it's, uh. it's, you know, it's unavoidable. So that's why I, I call it the tournament. The entire tournament is going to be a challenge this year. The entire tournament is going to be crazy. That's why I don't necessarily pick a pod, as it were. I think the entire tournament is going to be awesome this year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, by the way, I got a, another question I meant to ask. It goes, over, under on total substitutions between Catholic and Alvernia. Uh, how do you see that game? First off, you've got the two teams <laughs> under, who do not is it sub. Is the under, under? Yeah. It's the, the under, under, right? I mean, Catholic basically uses two subs, and Alvernia uses one sub. Well, and Dave, oh. media timeouts. Yeah, media which timeouts. is just going to shorten Alvernia's the bench even yeah, they're just yeah. going to play those six guys and those seven guys. I mean, Why shoot. not? It's going to be 13 guys total. Uh, it's going to be a stat crew uh, uh, short uh, joy page. party. Yeah, a little short little page. Um, it's like they should have Ted Schultz, the SID at Grinnell, come and stat this game so he can sleep through a game. There you go. I mean, both these two teams I've seen in person, um, Alvernia is hotter than hot right now. They are yeah. very well coached team. I think maybe Mike Miller is underappreciated for how good he is. Um, he has certainly gotten this team to gel. They knew they were going to have moving parts. If you heard my interview last night with him, he knew he was going to have to put guys in new positions. They have come, they have impressed me. Uh, I said a couple weeks ago they have, they were heating up yet again, and that's dangerous uh, in that conference. Where on the other side of Catholic, I saw Catholic a couple weeks ago playing certainly better than I saw them at the Hoopsville Classic. However, those two losses to Scranton gives me pause and some concern. Um, I would argue that um, you don't want to lose the hot hand, and Alvernia's got the hot hand right now. Catholic just lost a home game. Not sure there's any uh, kind of um, any aura there that you need to be worried about. Alvernia clearly doesn't care about going on the road either. Um, no, but a good wake-up call for Catholic. I mean, uh, but that if, well, you would have thought that would have happened listening. though the week before. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Scranton. Well, granted, it was uh, at Scranton. Uh, There's a difference. And, yeah, exactly. And the Scranton Catholic thing is, you know, Scranton has kind of had Catholic's number in this conference, and dating back before uh, when they played each other as kind of mid-Atlantic Catholic regional rivals, uh, Scranton did very well against Catholic. So, um, I don't know. know. I don't know who's going to win nature. this one. Uh, it's a fascinating matchup. Uh, that's for sure. Um, 
Yeah, uh, and Catholic's not going to take anybody lightly. I, that's no, what I was getting at. No. Absolutely not. Even though, uh, you know, they they at one point were <laughs> whatever, really good, right? Twenty two yep. and twenty one and twenty three. Twenty one and three. Twenty one and three. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, and Alvernia has been on a tear. I mean, absolutely been on a tear through the Mac Commonwealth. Um, I said it before, Lycoming did not want to see them in the semifinals. Um, Stevenson certainly looked good in the first half, didn't come out of the locker room in the second half, and Alvernia won 41-18, but that's also a part of Alvernia just not giving up, down 17, down 16, going whatever. Um, that's just the kind of team. That's going to be a fascinating game, but you're right. They're, they're not going to be a lot of subs. The PA announcer is going to have kind of a boring job. <laughs> um, just calling fouls and scores um, well, that, in that the, one. The, you won't hear a lot of horns, so that's good. Yeah, that's true. You will not hear a lot of horn. Game might move a little faster uh, as a result. Um, anything else on this men's bracket, Pat, that jumps out that you're like, God, if I could fly to that or get to that, that that'd be where I'm headed. Oh, well. I, I mean, haven't could looked be a at, lot of them. I haven't, I haven't looked at that because I can't fly this weekend. So No, I just mean uh, if you could. But I you hear you. Um, you know, I, I would like to be at the Mount Union bracket. I think mm-hmm. um, uh, it's a I think it's kind of balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Newman might not uh, necessarily stack up to Mount Union, but, you know, it's not like Mount Union has a ton of postseason experience. This is going to be new for them in the sport of men's basketball anyway. And, uh, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be kind of cool. It would be cool to go to Mount Union to see something other than a football game. And I kind of know how to get to Mount Union. Um, the thing that was kind of rattling around in my mind, Dave, is, you know, is there somebody out there, and I know we can't really predict something like this, but, uh, knowing what Morrisville state did the last two mm-hmm. years, it just blew everybody's minds is mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder if there's somebody out there who can, uh, who can do that in this year's bracket, who's just going to come from, uh, straight out of nowhere and, and take stuff by storm because man, the Morrisville State run the last two years is still, to me, mind-boggling. Yeah, and I almost wonder if this is the year that that kind of team can get to Salem, and that's what I mean by the dark horse. Yeah. You know, if I were to Alvernia. Pick... Yeah, no, good. good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Alvernia's never done it. No, and, you know, Salisbury kind of sneaks up on me. They've been playing really good basketball, and St. Mary's and Christopher Newport been stealing the headlines. Marymount was stealing... Salisbury down that lower corner, they're going to have to get through Eastern Connecticut, but I don't think that's uh, a matchup that Salisbury doesn't like. And then Trinity, but you know they could get on a roll at that point in time. Maybe they're the kind of team in there. Um, I'm just kind of glancing at things as I as I go through my um, my bracket and see if I can pick out another one that's really a dark horse like that. Um, I mean, I, I mean, Albertus Magnus isn't a dark horse. By yeah, the top that's what I was going to say. That's they could make a run. Yeah, they could make a run, but I wouldn't put them in the dark horse category. Um, right. uh, I mean, I don't know anything about Texas Lutheran. Yeah, I mean, um, they that's a whole bunch of untested teams in that yeah, pod. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, whoever comes out of that is going to have to take on St. Norbert or St. Tom. And maybe St. Norbert makes that run finally that we've been waiting for. Do you call it a dark horse? Yeah. Maybe because we haven't seen them make the run, but maybe they can make that run. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, I saw that St. Norbert team play last year. They were five seniors and uh, and Andrew Schwer, if I remember correctly, um, and really not expecting a whole ton out of them this year. Um, you know, and they haven't uh, the the Midwest Conference hasn't provided them much of a challenge. Um, they played John Carroll really well, but that's their one loss. Um, I don't know if I don't know if we're right or if the committee's right on St. Norbert. Um, yeah, and this. 
This process might not tell us. Uh, Elmhurst is a is a good matchup. It'll tell us a little bit about where they stand in the Midwest region. Um, but St. Thomas could just be really good, and we've never, you know, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't get an indication out of that if if St. Thomas plays St. Norbert and beats them in a relatively close game. We'll never know how good St. Norbert was. Yeah, well, agreed, absolutely. Um, and so that's why I'm fascinated with this bracket this year. I remember when I first got it this morning, Pat. Yeah, you know, I my first reaction was like, huh. I got nothing, <laughs> you know. You know, this, you <laughs> you're know, looking for questions to ask. Right? I'm like, great! I got a conference call in 15 minutes, and I've got nothing. I mean, obviously, Wash U, that little trio up there was what jumped out at me. And as you went through it, I almost felt like it was Top Chef. Uh, you know, at the end of the season, you got all these great chefs who were doing terrific work, um, and nobody cooked a bad meal, but you still have to eliminate somebody. So now you're nitpicking. And I felt like yeah. I was almost getting to the point, looking through the bracket, going, "I got to find something. There's got to be something I can ask them about. What is it? Where is it? Oh, let me ask them about. Okay, I'm going to ask them about Whitworth and Claremont Mud Scripts. That sounds good. Yeah, let's ask them about that. I mean, but in reality, we knew they were both going somewhere. We just thought Whitworth yeah. to Emory made some uh, a little more sense. But uh, I mean, I'm sorry to uh, Texas, but in reality, it's the same. It's the same scenario. Uh, you know, both low ranked, regionally ranked teams heading out to another pod. So I can't, you know, I don't have anything there necessarily. Worcester not uh, Worcester going to Marietta, not going somewhere else. Okay, I mean that's probably yeah, probably going to be more of... creative. But the team I had them going to was Randolph Macon, and they've got the buy. Okay, yeah, you know, could they have gone somewhere else? Sure, but it's still going to be one of those. Like, well, why did they send them to there? You know, that's too tough. Well, well, the only thing, Dave, is that's going to be that might be a split session pod. Uh, yeah. Marietta, Marietta could sell out that gym yep. by itself, and Worcester could Worcester sell out. Could sell it out by themselves. You're right. Because and maybe that's a good. Seats, Marietta looks like it's a great atmosphere. I haven't been there. Uh, I've watched it on video quite a few times, but I, I suspect they only seat like thirteen to fourteen hundred people yeah. legitimately. So uh, Worcester would definitely travel that many. It's not that far a trip. You know, and at one point I was sitting there going, "Geez, I mean, why did why is Mount Union's pod up there and Marietta's at the bottom?" But then you know, really. You could flip it the other way, and you still be like, "Well, oh, geez, that means Worcester could run into Augustana, or, oh, you know." So either way, I mean, again, I felt like I was nitpicking, um, only to look for something to ask. Um, and I, so I, you know, nothing. And even on the women's side, nothing jumps out at me that's just glaringly. I think we had a couple things last year in the men's side that were glaring. This year, I don't see any glaring things. And I think yeah. the committee, and I having talked to the committee quite a bit since last year, I, I think they realized that they had done some things last year in the brackets that in hindsight ugh, they even they would admit they didn't love and they really took the time in the in the 12 months since to say how can we do it better and I, I kind of like what Jeff Burns has done taking the idea of starting the process far sooner even if it's not a true bracket they start getting into the habit of bracketing we got a little bit with that with Mike DeWitt in the sense of it at large selections Mike got that ball rolling a little bit of how do we kind of mock select and, he, and they certainly did some bracketing but the idea of okay who are our 16 teams right now that we would have host okay good the next week has any of that changed okay we've got that good and then starting that process earlier in the day starting that process earlier in the weeks ahead I think it it led them to think it through more um, and not be at the table at the in the last hours going, oh geez, I, I I never thought of this. Well, clearly they thought of it. They they went and threw some scenarios. You threw the curveball like what Wesleyan winning on Sunday afternoon. How much did that kill you? Uh, and Jeff's kind of like, well, we kind of had Plan A and we had Plan B. And you know what? They probably yep. did. 
Um, now, I will say that the ODAC helped them. The, having Virginia Wesleyan uh, and Randolph-Macon playing in a championship game without an extra curveball coming in from somebody else, that, that certainly helped them um, in that capacity. And that's, by the way, where some of these things are going to have to change. If this three-day window gets put into place, there's a lot of talk about how those conference tournaments are going to probably have to get forced back um, and things like Salem would have to change, but that's down the road. But so, you know, I, I kind of liked what I heard there, and I think Dave Martin and his crew were doing something along the same lines, maybe not exact, but how about Jeff Burns talking about the fact that those two committees are talking to each other? Okay, how do you deal with this, and how do you deal with that? And granted, the SONS numbers are different. They're, they're, they're based on difference, but they still have the same dilemma of how to, to base them off of win-loss percentages. So, you know, I, I, I thought this was a fascinating year, maybe a bellwether year, Pat. Maybe this is the, uh, you know, we had a couple over the years. Uh, when Dave Martin was on the crew, on the men's side, we had the bracket of death that one year. That seemed to be a bellwether. The next year, a lot of differences. Um, very open, too, by the way. Very much, and not that everybody doesn't answer questions and has for a long time, but the men really took the onus of answering questions. And we kind of had the opposite happen with the women. Well, now they've had kind of their bellwether moment as well and said, you know what, we need to do things differently. And so, you know, you get those every couple of years, and, and it's good to see. I think we're heading the right direction. The problem is the committees always change. And so you're kind of having to test the waters, put your finger in the water, go, okay, what's their temperature today? How are they gauging this? And we'll see what the future holds. But I think they're, they're at least Jeff Burns on the, on the men's side is leaving an interesting um, um set of doing things and I'm, I'm hoping it continues and on the women's side dave martin should be there <laughs> we hope another two years who knows if he recruit recuses himself to allow somebody else to be chair uh at some point which is what steve ulrich by the way did steve ulrich recused himself to let jeff burns be chair is kind of a nod to jeff for his four years on the committee um steve is still there in case anyone's curious well, I think, though, of the many, many things that you've just said, uh, I was <laughs> going to pick out the uh, the thing about conference title games on Sundays. For example, remember, because you, know, you and you just went you just mentioned Steve Ulrich. Remember, the Centennial Conference used to play its title games on Sundays. And I really think that there was a year a few years ago where uh, a Centennial Conference team might have gotten slighted because something happened late on a Sunday and the committee didn't fully have time to recover and think it through correctly. Um, I really do think that it would be nice if we could get these games back into Saturday and leave Sunday for selections, selection Sunday. Um, <laughs> I don't know how feasible that is. I get that you know we want to avoid taking kids out of class um, and and that sort of thing. And I I would love to see more teams in conference tournaments. I know that's not uh, mm. the, probably not the majority view. Um, I think a lot of people. We're pretty happy to see just, you know, the top half of the conference or four teams or whatever it is get into the conference tournaments. Well, we had, you know, we had three, six seeds win uh, men's conference tournaments uh, and game, and we had an eight over a one and things um, that just don't happen anymore uh, because it, those teams aren't in tournaments. I go back to we yeah. went back to a day in I think it was 2001 or 2002 where the entire Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Conference men's tournament went upside down. Eight beat one, seven beat two, six beat three. And eight beat one, Stout beat Whitewater, or Whitewater beat Stout. I don't even remember. Eight beat one by forty. I mean, you know, it's just it. These are the things. This is what's fun about February and March. And I still like to ha let uh, kids have those games. We only let kids play twenty-five games. Uh, thankfully, it's still twenty-five. 
Um, but we ought to give the uh, the conference tournament uh, experience to more teams too, I think. Well, and uh, yeah, I will throw the curveball that if they do have to move those tournaments back, for example, let's look at the ODAC. There's just no way they can have everybody participate. Yeah. Right now, the men started this year. It, it alternates, but the men were Thursday, Saturday, Sunday with the early game Sunday. Women were Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That alternates because last year it was the other way around. You're not moving that to Wednesday with first-round games. I mean, last yeah, this not. year they were playing Sunday games to, because of weather, and teams on Sunday then had to play Monday for first round. So if you're going to move it back onto Saturday, now you are going to be talking about restricting in the ODAC, and you're going to have to maybe talk about just the top five, uh, top eight, and those first quarters are going to be on campus. I do realize that uh, the two things that I just advocated for are somewhat uh, <laughs> opposite each other. <laughs> so if we could get one of them, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. So well, we'll. I mean, we'll. Yeah, certainly, time will tell on that. I want to remind everybody to be on the air with Hoopsville on Thursday, seven o'clock. Um, Not we'll, tomorrow. No. Do we do another Hoopsville tomorrow? No. No. Do we have one. Don't we have a Hoopsville at seven? I'm tonight? going on strike. No, we're not doing one at seven tonight either. I'm going on strike. I think you're in a right to work state, man. I don't think you can go on strike. Dang. Uh, it was worth the effort. Uh, no, we'll be on the air at seven o'clock uh, Eastern time um, on Thursday, and of course, we'll be on the air Sunday. Weather, you know, Jeff brought it up. I, I kind of had known it was coming, but I didn't even put two and two together just yet, and had time. Had yeah. time. Weather could be a major factor uh, in oh, yeah. play here. And um, if it does, I'll know. My day job is dealing with uh, yep. travel management and uh, and travelers, so uh, I get that. I'll find out pretty soon. Uh, so it'll it'll certainly be interesting to see how that all plays out. What we um, should do, actually, and works. I'm serious about this, is go find out Whitworth's travel plans and find out um, who else Claremont is flying. Right? Claremont Mudscripts travel plans, just yep. to see if we and can Penn get ahead State, of that. Abingdon in the opposite direction. Yep, but it's probably easier to get out of the East Coast. It may be. To get to. Yep, it yep. very well may be. Absolutely, hey, Dave. I've got one final thought. Go for it. The story of last night. The, way, the reason why we were able to do uh, 19 out of 19 correctly mm. is this mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. Good job gleaning last night, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Well done. You've uh, you've uh, you've um, cultivated some good sources. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, it helps every once in a while. They'll probably all be gone by next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. But, you know. No, no, no. They, uh, yeah, I, I sometimes don't know whether to call on them or not. Um, a couple of them presented themselves and we went with it. So, um, yeah, no, and, and, and unfortunately that's why we'd love to have that data. Um, and trust me, the men's and women's, or at least the men's, I'm pretty sure the women's basketball committees would love to give it to us as well. But, uh, that is for another topic of conversation we've had many times. We don't need to rehash now, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, it, it certainly helped us because I think it avoided us from having at least one team I know in the tournament, um, maybe, maybe. two. Maybe. Um, um, one from the east, one from the west that probably would have been in there. That, that yeah, they... I mean, in the end, when we went and digged in, dug into NYU. No, agreed. Yep. We, I think we might have eliminated them anyway because yep. at eight and six in the eight and six in your conference, uh, unless you're playing, yeah. you know, in the no. in the ACC. Yeah, right. Uh, that's not going to happen. That's not going to get you in. <laughs> I think you can have a losing record in the ACC and get in the. the well, as a D three school, you can. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, that's going to, I think we'll wrap it up there. I don't see any other questions flowing in. Any other final thoughts, sir, before we uh, let you go? Nope. Glad you stayed suited up, sir. I think, um, <laughs> I think we should do this all the time. No, let's, I, I, no, uh, no, no, no. 
Um, but clearly, I need to work on my backdrop back here. Uh, <laughs> I prettied it up a little bit since yesterday. I like but it. I got a long way to go. Yeah, I've got a 2006 uh, yeah. something I going over the my logo. shoulder here. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, I have a um, I have a D3Hoops.com Classic uh, All Tournament Award back there. Nice. And um, a, uh, a, a, um, a a basketball broadcast banner from 1996. Wow. I don't know if you can see that. That's this, nice. uh, yeah. this poster that was hung up around campus when I was doing um, local radio. And then uh, a 1998 Final Four poster back there. Very cool. Well, I'll, and my I'll, uh, and my uh, my twenty number twenty two Washu jersey is getting framed. That, uh, we will frame our Ohio Wesleyan one in due time. Um, yep. Just have not gotten around. Use to, Michaels. Uh, that's one of the options we do have. I, my wife would uh, my wife would be happy if you used Michaels. <laughs> hint hint. That is one that my wife actually mentioned. Does D three take into consider strength of schedule? I'm gonna leave that one to Twitter. <laughs> Leaving that some one to people, Twitter. Some people can't be helped, man. No, I'm gonna leave that one to Twitter. We do take into account strength of schedule. Thanks yes, for asking. Very much so. At some point, it does not, but it does most of the way. Anyway, Pat, thanks so much for joining me in the last uh, 24 hours, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Pat Coleman joining us via Skype here on Hoops. We'll appreciate him taking the time to do that, especially over the last two days. Had a lot of fun, um, and I hope you enjoyed the brackets being announced, and, and hopefully your team is dancing. If you're not... Enjoy the tournament nonetheless, because the tournament's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of more schools will broadcast games these days, which certainly makes it more exciting for everybody. So if you don't get a chance to go to a gym to take in a game, you can watch it online. Um, most schools do it. If they don't, um, they're calling on those of us like us um, to help with that, and we will do so if we if we can. Um, so go, make sure you log on to d3hoops.com for everything. We'll have plenty of uh, further information, to, um, bracket breakdowns, as it were. Pat Coleman and Gordon Mann, um, even myself, will we'll dive into who our sleepers might be, who our favorites might be, who might be the most prone to an upset and all the brackets, kind of give you an idea. Of course, all our regional writers and national writers are tackling the great stories. Uh, they'll be taking place throughout the uh, week leading into those games, starting on Thursday with two games on the men's side and Friday for everybody else. So plenty of material there worth reading. Of course, don't forget about D3 boards. If you just want to chat about your team or talk about uh, matchups, there's the D3boards.com you can go to as well and get plenty more information um, or ch join the conversation as well. We'll be on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock, with our normally scheduled show. We'll have plenty of guests. Um, we'll also be back on the air Sunday as well at 7 o'clock with more guests. Where am I headed this weekend? I do not know. Um, got to weigh a few options and also figure out what my regular work schedule will allow me to do. We will figure that out uh, in due time. Um, that should do it. Don't forget, you can always follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And if you ever have questions, you can email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. That's going to do it for us. Really appreciate you all tuning in and enjoying the shows with us. Um, and we'll see you back here on Thursday. Also want to formally thank everybody. On Thursday, we'll, we'll probably rattle off the list, but I want to thank everybody who supported us on the Hoopsville fundraising project, reached our goal, and we certainly appreciate everybody who did that. I know some of you want to still donate to the cause, and we certainly appreciate that. Contact us uh, via Twitter or email, really via email, and we can tell you about how you can still help us. Um, cover Division Three the way it deserves to be covered. I want to thank Nancy Fay and and um, 
Becky Martin for coming on the show today. And I want to thank their sports information directors for assisting with that as well. Chris Mitchell and Luke Stilson. That's going to do it for us, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll get this archive available for you in case you miss anything, including the podcast. And and, uh, outside of that, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Hoops Home presented by D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, viewers like yourselves. Thank you for your support. Hope you enjoyed the programming. We'll see you back here Thursday evening at 7 o'clock. Good night, everybody.